Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, welcome to the Cast number 152 with Matt K. Matt, how are we doing today? I'm good, thanks, buddy. How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, I'm excited for this one. This one's definitely been... Uh, highly requested by my audience you're definitely uh, one of like the absolute ogs in old school <laughs> brilliant brilliant just before we start actually yeah the or just as we have started yeah. um uh we just did a mic check before this mm-hmm. and uh one thing we always used to do at jagex when we ever did uh, live streams we did mic checks and there was a um internal live stream we were doing i was talking to the rest of the company it wasn't going outside the company the rest of the company about what old school were doing and I uh, started off doing the mic check. And I always say the same thing when I do a mic check. Uh, and uh, because the guy at Jagex would always ask you the same question. And he would say, what did you have for breakfast? And my reply was always, my wife from behind. <laughs> and, um, which you know, made everybody chuckle in the room. And they were like, oh, Matt. Um, but unfortunately, for this one event, um, they forgot to mute the mics oh, when no. it was broadcast into the entire company. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get called into HR or anything. <laughs> oh my god! Hear it. That is awesome. Um, see that? See that? That's how chill Jagex is. They wouldn't. They wouldn't send you <laughs> like write you up or anything. You're good. I think. I think if the wrong person heard it, they might have done. Well, if uh, I'd okay. said somebody else's wife from behind, they might have complained <laughs> about that. Oh my god! That is awesome. Yeah. I, you know what? I really miss the old Q and As. As I was just saying to you right before the recording started, like I I started old school late 2015. So. The super, super old Q&As, the super old drama and stuff. I just wasn't there for it. I do recall some of the drama, and I've talked to guests on the cast that have kind of mm. explained certain things that had happened. But, um, yeah, I, I really do miss those, like, super old Q&As. They're a little bit, I don't know, they're just more modern now. Maybe in the next five years we'll look back at, you know, these these Q&As that we get to enjoy now and see these as classics. But, yeah, I really miss you on the couch and uh, everybody else. Yeah, it was quite funny how they all started because um, at the time when Twitch was kicking off, um, old school launched, and you know Twitch and old school really sort of you know uh, helped uh, helped each other grow. And um, I went to my boss, who was the head of community at the time, and I said to him, "Hey, hey, 
we should do something with this Twitch thing. It looks like it's uh, it's important. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. Who wants to watch anybody play a computer game? It's just a fad. Ignore it. Don't do anything with it at all. Uh, he got fired six weeks later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, went on from there. And it yeah. started off, um, I first started off, uh, it was actually uh, Mod Reach's idea, uh, the, uh, the Q&A streams. And it started off with us sitting in a meeting room uh, with a webcam taped to a tripod and um, a, a, a tiny little crappy mic. And uh, eventually we ended up building a whole studio around it, which was quite amazing. That is so um, cool. It's such a brilliant idea. And it really feels, I mean, we already have a game that's community ran and then having like real transparency with the team is just incredible. No, absolutely. I think it's it one of the most important parts of it when we, um, again, when we started off uh, uh, making old school RuneScape and, uh, and uh, building it, the, uh, it sort of me, Ash, and I think who else was in the team at the time? It was me, Ash, there was Nexus, um, and Dan. And it's like, well, how do we communicate with the players? And at Jagex at the time, there was a mentality of you cannot say anything to players unless you're absolutely no, you can say it. And I was like, well, why don't we just turn that on its head and just say what we want unless we absolutely know we can't say it? And uh, because nobody was paying any attention to us as a game, none of the senior, all the senior people were worried about RuneScape at the time. We were just sort of like the uh, ugly kid in the corner. And uh, so they ignored us. So we just carried on breaking all the rules. And, uh, for example, going into the wilderness as a J-Mod, you could never do. God, you get you get so much trouble for doing that. But because no one was paying attention to us, that's what we did. We went into the wilderness, so we ended up killing thousands of players. I might even be been before your time. I used to go into the wilderness, spawn party hats on the floor. Um, and uh, I'd have a tool that Ash made me, which made me practically invulnerable. Um <laughs> And I would have, um, I'm trying to think how it worked now. You'd have uh, every, only one in 50 hits would hit, and that would be reduced to one hit point. Uh, so there I was standing in the wilderness, uh, probably three, four hundred people attacking me um, around the outside, and me just with ice barrage, just killing as many people as I could. And, oh, <laughs> never that, got away with that. <laughs> that is awesome. See, that, I mean, the team was so small back then. How, how big was the team originally? So it's four of us originally. Um, in fact, I wasn't the first uh, community manager to work on it. It was um, a guy called Mod Drebin, but he left shortly afterwards. And um, I was like, "Yes, I'll go. I'll go work on it." Just after it relaunched, and uh, so there was, a, there was a four of us. There was Nexus, who was um, who was one of the developers. Uh, he was never particularly public. I mean, we sort of did things in the background. Then you had Ash, or you all know Ash, and then uh, Mod Reach, who was QA at the time eventually became a um a developer um yeah and that started with four of us wow. then who was next after that i'm trying to think who came next i don't know um we had john come in pretty quick because we needed more qa so john c came in pretty early on and goat no we had um alfred uh mod alfie came in as an artist pretty early on as well and then Oh, we had the the terrible trio of um, of uh, YouTubers. I don't know if I should say this. YouTubers who were uh, brought onto the team by uh, the CEO. Um, they just sort of appeared out of nowhere, and we had Chris Archie, who's still still at Jagex, so he, he was the good guy. Yeah. And then we had uh, Silent Core, who uh, yeah, less said about him the better. <laughs> um, and uh, although I'm sure we'll probably get into it. Um, and um, then we had. Um, 
Matt um, so wrecked, um, who was one of the guys who first tried to get old school RuneScape released. As he started off all the big um, shouting and screaming about how uh, we all wanted to play the old game and nobody really liked TOC anyway. Uh, and uh, so we brought him on board as a, uh, as a video maker slash community type person. And uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that, that was fun. Man, like I just think, so you guys literally split off. So um, what was it? Is it like the end of 2012 when you, were, when you guys were polling, introducing old school RuneScape? Mm. That's right, yeah. And then it passed, and I apparently it passed without like a, a dedicated team or something, or like a very very small dedicated team. What what was that? Yeah, so there were there were I can't remember exactly what it was, but there were there were a bunch of tiers, and if it got so many votes, um, it would jump to the next tier. It got four hundred forty nine thousand, I think, votes, and it needed five hundred thousand to move up to the next tier, which was a dedicated uh, team mm. and dedicated uh, um, anti botting support. But um, didn't quite get there. But MMG was like, well, you know, we're close enough. Let's put some effort behind it. And so Ash at the time was um, writing a, uh, a email to his uh, boss to say, can he work on old school? As his boss was writing him an email saying, go and work on old school. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, so that was quite cool. I wrote to my boss as well. It was, it was really interesting because at the time I was working in the publishing department. Um, and uh, the publishing department was started six months beforehand. Uh, was it? Yeah, it must have been six months beforehand. Um, and uh, they uh, they published games such as Ace of Spades and uh, War of Legends and that sort of thing. But they've not actually produced anything. These are all sort of games that we had before the publishing team started, and they haven't actually produced any games. And they spent their entire 12-month um, budget in the first six months, so I'm like, oh, this ain't looking good. And uh, so I sort of sent a message to my boss saying, yeah, can you get me the old-school gig? Because what was going through my head was that, Nobody expected old school to succeed. Everybody expected it to be dead and dying in six months' time. And uh, I didn't see the publishing department succeeding because there's nothing due to come out. And they spent so much money. It was like, they're going to get shut down in six months. So at least I'm going to have six months left at Jagex. I might as well do it on something I enjoy, such as old school. And, um, and uh, so, you know, my, my boss got me the job on, um, on old school, which was great. And then um, five months and two weeks later, an email comes around the company saying how they're shutting the publishing department. So I was like, dodge wow. that bullet. Yeah, for so, real. Uh, and uh, old school went from strength to strength, which was, uh, which was quite astounding. Yeah, I, I, uh, if I recall correctly, at least in the beginning, it seemed like old school was dying without mm. enough updates. How, how was that? Like, how was the first year of old school looking? Um, there's, there's a great website, which is you can actually see the amount of people playing it. They've been um, taking the concurrent players every 15 minutes for the last uh, 11 years from both games. Uh, it's called Misplaced Items, the website is. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty accurate for uh, people playing the game. You can see in the first six months or so, it just drops. You know, you have 300,000 people playing it and it drops down to, I think at the lowest, about 20,000 people logged in at any one time. Um, and that was the lowest it ever got. And um, we tried to stop that um, rot from happening by dropping all the rare items in game. So we did uh, community events to drop rare items in game because that's all we could do. There's nothing big we could do. There's no real updates we could we could do because even though we had a game that worked, we didn't have any supporting tools for it. So there were no map editors, there were no um, quest making tools and other such stuff that people needed to actually make content. Everything had to be written in code, and. Um, uh, so there's very little we could do 
Uh, so we, we kept dropping these rare items, and that made an impact. That slowed the amount of people leaving, and people seemed to enjoy it, which was great. And um, eventually, uh, we managed to get... Um, I'm going to ask, see if, you, see if you can guess what it was. The first update that stopped the game um, dying that I'm, we made. I'm guessing God Wars Dungeon. Yeah, you're too good. Yeah, God Wars. God Wars was the first thing. That's the moment that the, um, the user stopped going down. And people suddenly realized, oh, shit, this, this game can be good. <laughs> they could do things to this game. And from that moment on, it's just grown and grown and grown. Um, and if it wasn't for Ash having very many late nights and Nexus having very many late nights um, and uh, Reach having very many late nights, we would not have, we would not have old school now. Wow. Um, so so that, was, that was a big major turning point. And even though it didn't move the needle particularly at the time, that's the defining moment, I think, that people realized, ah, this game's got a future. Yeah, I'm looking at the chart right now. I have it pulled up, and it looks like about mid-2000... Actually, I guess, like, end of 2015 is where old school started just outclassing EOC. Oh, that was a day. That was a day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't allowed to celebrate it as well, because... <laughs> uh... Because uh, they they didn't want this competitiveness between old school and RuneScape. Now they didn't want the competitiveness. Of, uh, yeah, they, uh, there's uh, there's a lot of RuneScape play uh, RuneScape uh, developers getting a bit upset that actually we were doing well, and um, there was tension within Jagex um, about old school doing so well, and us getting away with stuff that no one else could, and you know it's like well we were just trying to make the best we could, but um, but. Uh, we knew it was happening because I, I looked at the numbers every day. I saw the figures every day. I was looking at how much we were going up and how much we were going down, where the new players were coming from. So I could see us heading towards the same membership as uh, as uh, RuneScape. And uh, I was you know, specifically forbidden from sending an email around by my boss at the time saying that it would just antagonize everybody in RuneScape. Don't do it. So I had to call my team over one by one and just point at the graph when I showed up and just walk, uh, watched, watched them walking away with big grins on their faces going, hell yeah, we've done this. <laughs> you know, oh the world God. was against us at one point thinking we would never succeed and you know, suddenly we're the bigger game and it's like, yeah, it felt good. That felt good. That is so cool. No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, old school is just... I mean, to be fair, like I haven't played RS3 um, at mm. all and but it's just so foreign to me so any i feel like um a lot of the old school player base really are just a lot of people that played as a kid and so that is the nostalgia fix that they have and uh, yeah yeah you're absolutely right the um there's so many I and mean, what's really fascinating is there's so many people i've spoken to who haven't played the game before and have come back to play haven't even come back to play it new to play it like you uh, which is wonderful to see and that's that's quite spectacular but the um i think I'll, there was a lot of antagonism between the communities as well in the early days as well between the old school community and the RuneScape community. But I think that's got that's that's gone now. I don't think that exists anymore. I think a lot of people realise actually RuneScape is pretty good. You look at what it does doesn't doesn't deliver the same things that old school does, um, but it's it has a whole bunch of other stuff which is really interesting to play. I mean, some of the new skills they brought out. I had a go at um, archaeology. That was quite fun. Um, I haven't done the um, uh, necromancy one yet um but uh, a lot of people are saying that's good um they've got great quests i mean the quests are second to none they were some of the best quests ever written in the in uh, runescape as well as um 
some of the bosses as well have gone to the next level as well. So they've got some really good content in there. And people, more and more people are enjoying playing both games. Um, but right at the beginning, oh, you were either in one camp or another. You couldn't, you couldn't be in both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there definitely was a divide in the community as well back then. Just, uh, I mean, again, like just saying I had never played RS3. I mean, I was one of those Twitch chatters that would just be like mm. RS3 Dan's game, you know, just like what, like, yes. who, you know, who enjoys this? And I, I literally had never played it before. So I'm like, we, we did a um, Halloween stream uh, once. Uh, it was a Q&A stream. And uh, part of it um, was that we, while we were doing the Q&A stream, we were going to carve our own um, pumpkins. So we all had a pumpkin each to carve. I think it was me, Dan, and Ash might have been on it. Uh, we're all carving our pumpkins as we're sort of asking, answering questions on the Q&A. Uh, and uh, at the end of the stream, um, we all had to show what, what we did. And I sort of turned mine around saying that I've carved the most horrendous thing, scariest thing in my pumpkin that you've ever seen. Turned it round and it had the letters EOC carved <laughs> into the front of it. <laughs> got, got out of that and, and uh, somebody said to me, I can't tell who it was, somebody said, aren't you going to get in trouble for doing that? I'm like, look, come on. This is this is five years later. If people are still holding a grudge against it, I think it's their problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was, it was mainly for fun, for sure. Yeah. So... Uh, RS3, I will say, at least the stuff I've seen, I've seen people stream it, and I've mm. obviously kind of been up to date on Twitter with just the new updates and stuff. And it does seem like the, it seems like a way more polished game. Mm. And um, they, def it feels like it has a bigger budget significantly. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to, though. I mean, the effort to put something into old school is a lot lower than the effort to put something into RuneScape. Um, so to put something into RuneScape, um, you have to have a whole bunch of um, uh, uh, whole art funnel, which is huge. The amount of effort to put to create a, a single item in the game is a lot bigger than it takes uh, in in, in uh, old school. Um, from a code point of view, it's probably very different as well. Um, but the effort to make something in RuneScape is a lot more lot more than uh, in old school, which is why you don't need a bigger team. Um, and again, equally, if you have a bigger team in old school now, if you were to take all the um, RS3 devs, move them on to old school, um, you'd just get a lot more content going into the game. And I don't think that's what people really want. People want good content, not lots of content. Um, so one of the things that I've, I've heard about recently is the new skill, uh, sailing, uh, which people are talking about. And one of the things that I think the old school team are worried about is they've actually never made a new skill. So they don't really know how to do it. So they're leveraging the RS3 team in order to help them understand what it is they need to uh, to do to make a new skill, uh, what they've got to think about, what support they can get from the RS3 team as well, um, and uh, trying to figure out how, how it actually works, because it's something they've never done before. So it makes sense to find people who've got an awful lot of experience in making a new skill in RuneScape and, uh, and utilising that. So whether we see more people come over from RuneScape to old school for the skill, I don't know. Yeah, That's that potentially what they could do. That would be pretty good. So you were there on the team when they originally pulled sailing. Of, mm. uh, I mean, like the paint version, basically, of yes. what sailing would have been. W was that like a legitimate thing you thought you guys could undertake? Uh, an entirely new skill? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I always had in my head what I wanted that skill to be. Um, so when um, the way we used to come up with new ideas for new content was we had a off-site for a day, and I'd, I'd basically give the team um, a, a couple of weeks to come up with pitches for ideas, and people would just pitch the rest of the team ideas they wanted to bring out, and then we looked at them 
found the best ones that we liked and then decided on what we wanted to release. Now, I think it took about two days um, to do it, but first day was pitching. Second half of the day, or first half of the second day, was about discussing the ideas, and then the last half of the last day was um, about scheduling it all and make sure, right, this is when we're going to do it, this is how long we think it's going to take, and getting a rough schedule of, you know, this is what we're going to do over the next 12 months. And um, sailing was an obvious one, and it's like, well, you know, I'm not surprised that it passed. Um, well, say I'm not surprised, I'm not surprised it's the, one of the very few skills that would have passed. Um, I don't think another skill would pass. Uh, or would uh, another, yeah, I'll start again. So the only three skills I think would have passed would have been sailing, um, dungeoneering, or summoning. I think they're the only three chances of getting a new skill or the first new skill into a game. Um, but again, I was never worried about doing it because I, I had it clear in my head what sailing was. Um, I don't know what they've got in their head about what sailing is now, but back then, had it passed to that point, I'd be like, great, sailing is this, 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 and this, right, let's start designing it. And, uh, you know, my, my concept of it was based on a game called Bounty Bay Online, um, which was a pirate game, basically. Um, you had lots and lots of different skills you could level up, but the key thing for me is you got a boat. Um, you bought a boat for money. You had to get sailors and you had to get uh, provisions to go on the boat. You had to, um, you know, you could upgrade your boat. You could have different sorts of boats. Then you could uh, sail your boat from um, one port to another and uh, pick up uh, equipment and trade trade provisions and items and, uh, and move things around the world. And then you could go out and fight um, NPCs, um, either good NPCs or bad NPCs. So you could become a merchant vessel or a pirate and uh, you could have a sort of factional approach to it as well. And then you had PvP where boats fought each other. And then you had fighting on boats as well. So not only would you shoot each other, but you board each other's boats and uh, destroy the other person's boat. And it was just it was just really clear in my mind about what 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 sailing would be, and hopefully we get some of some of that stuff happen in uh, what sailing will end up being. Yeah, when do you think it'll be released? I mean, how long does this kind of stuff take? I I doubt you'll see it this year, so I'd say twenty twenty five. Okay, that's they, was... they might do a they might do a, a teaser for it this year, so potentially you might get some sort of part one. Um. I'm not sure how, uh, if they could make that work, that would kind of make sense, but it's never seemed to have worked well in the past doing that. Um, sort of part one sailing and a part two later on. But knowing our players, you know, you do a part one in sailing, they'll be ready for part two in five weeks' time. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one thing we've learned about players is whatever we expect them to do and how long we expect them to take them to do it, um, they will do it ten times quicker than we ever thought. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, speaking of that, just a little tangent. When Inferno was released, did you guys mm. imagine somebody was going to complete it? Like, yeah, oh, we knew somebody would, and uh, we sort of made a a um, deliberate attempt with Inferno, which was if anybody, if we could find anybody to beat inter uh, to beat it, whether it was internally, whether it was through the play testing we did, then it was too easy. That to make it more <laughs> difficult. Uh, we wanted no one. We, <clears throat> In order to be the best, the hardest piece of content, w nobody should be able to complete it um, at launch. And uh, I think I think we got that right. So that was uh, that was really well done. Kieran got that right, quite frankly. Um, so uh, yeah, so that that went down really yeah, well. So. That was definitely, I think, the, the people I've talked to on the cast about Inferno. Almost everybody agrees that Inferno was the best piece of content that's ever come out into this game. It's just ah, so perfect. 
it's the the difficulty's right on point. It's yeah. held up after all these years. Mm, indeed, and that's indeed. impressive. <clears throat> on um on release day, um we'd had a little sort of party in the office to uh, to release it, and um prior to that, I'd order a whole bunch of different merch for it as well. So I'd ordered t-shirts for everybody and hoodies and. Uh, well, that's all sort of put together as a little package, and I got some custom hot sauce made for it as well. So uh, <laughs> I, can't, I have no idea where it came from, but uh, we had little bottles of hot sauce, three different flavors of hot sauce um, for everyone to take home with little Inferno labels on the front. That's awesome. That's quite cool. Yeah. So I hear, like, at least um, I think it was Inferno release, I think Theater of Blood release as well. You guys mm. meet up in the office and just watch Twitch streams. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Best bit about the entire thing was was uh, the bloat, um, uh, because no NPC had ever ran before the bloat, and uh, we're sitting there when um, I think it was Boaty got to it first. We we're watching Boaty. Boaty or Wooks, one or the other, and we we're watching 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 them, the first person to get to it. And it's like it's going to run. It's going to run. Next ticket's going to run. And then it starts running. And it was like, oh my fucking god, it's <laughs> going on. It ran. <laughs> we're like, yes. Is, uh, we had to hack the code a lot to do that, apparently, because it wasn't very easy to make it run. That is, um, that, I mean, that is like, I, I feel like that is so good to have an update that's truly challenging, that's pushing the limits of the very best. And of course, the, the player skill level has just skyrocketed since mm. that. So it's very, very hard to implement something that's still kind of catering to the vast majority of the player base. But Theater of Blood release was phenomenal, but it definitely wasn't as accessible as like the later raid. Yes, yeah, I mean that was that was that was the only downside of it was um, it takes effort to get there, and uh, and although it's great to have content which is challenging and which is new, and that gets the high viewers on Twitch. When you put out a new boss, everybody tunes in to watch, see the first kill of the new boss, and it's almost like a, a community event. But uh, actual amount of people who can engage with that content is incredibly low. It's, it's probably less than 5% of people can engage with new content like that. So basically you're making content that 95% of people can't do. Uh, so the only way they can engage it is engage with it is to watch other people do it. So there's always got to be a mix of you know high-level content and mid-level content and low-level content. Because at the end of the day, if you've got no new players joining the game, then uh, you've got a problem. Um, so you need to service the low players as well, the people who've never played the game, the people who've never voted, um, the people who have no opinion on the game because they've just picked it up because they saw it in the uh, uh, Apple Store or uh, well, they saw somebody on Twitch streaming it and thought, oh, I'll have a go at that. Um, but you've still got to service those guys because without new players coming into the game, it, it, it will die. Mm -hmm. it's, it's part and parcel of what has to happen to keep a game successful and alive. Yeah, that was, um, speaking of, you kind of mentioned, like, finding the game on the App Store now. I mean, mobile's been out for how many years at this point? That, I just got to say, like, mobile, as a child, because I did play as a child for a couple years, mm. um, and I, I, I think I even remember a certain moment just thinking about how amazing this would be if I could somehow play this on my Game Boy, you know, because I had a Game Boy Advanced at the time. Just playing RuneScape on a game, obviously it was completely, like, not feasible at yeah. all, but, like imagining that was just surreal and then now we literally have that i mean we literally have runescape in our pockets everywhere and we just yeah, take it for granted game boy that's nintendo is it yeah yeah so that they did look at putting it on switch oh, um really? I, I don't think anything came of it um obviously it's not on switch um now but potentially that might happen in the future um but that's the obvious next step from going to mobile the mobile thing was was uh <laughs> it was really frustrating 
because we decided we wanted to put it on mobile. And so we got the engine team and said, hey, can you get this game working on an Android phone? And it took about six weeks to get it working. And we were like, hell yeah, six weeks, got it working. Bit of tidying up, we can get this out. Um, so we came up with the idea and saying, right, okay, we've got, we've got, we've got, uh, let's give them 12 months. Let's say it's coming out winter 2017. Um, we decided this, I think, in March of 2017, figuring that winter 2017 could actually be March 2018, because that really is winter. And we, mm-hmm. we figured we could, we could pull that one off. Um, so we said, winter 2017, you have mobile. And uh, so they got it up and working. They started uh, um, you know, fiddling around. And suddenly, when you start looking at getting it into the stores, that's when it gets difficult. Um, so, for example, on Apple, you can't use the word click in an Apple app. It has to be press or touch. So everything in game that said click here to continue had to be rewritten uh, to say press here. And then that doesn't work when you're on the PC. So it's like, well, uh, we now have to have a way of identifying whether someone's on their phone or not. Uh, so we had to create a whole new system for that so we could actually service them the uh, correct, uh, correct um, words in game. And then the thing about Apple as well, which is a right pain in the ass, is there's a whole bunch of things you have to pass in order to get it onto the App Store. And they'll go through and they'll check a new app. And then the first thing they hit where you haven't passed it, they will tell you um, it's failed. They won't check anything else. So basically you submit. They say, no, it's failed. Submit again. No, it's failed. On the next thing. And you can do this 20 or 30 times before you finally get them to accept the app onto the app store. And, oh, that was a pain in the ass. Then you have to worry about, oh, this is where it gets really complicated now. Then you have to worry about uh, pricing of stuff. So Apple will say the pricing has to match our pricing. So if you're paying for it in the U.S., it's got to have the same um, uh, same price difference than the U.K. or in Zambia or wherever anywhere else you want to pay for it. Uh, so we have to restructure all our payment systems and uh, off the back of that to make it work with the Apple uh, Store as well. It's, oh, it was it was it was a headache. Yeah, Apple. I mean, I, I'm imagining Android wasn't as difficult or a Google Play Store. No, no, it wasn't as difficult, but they they still have uh, have a whole bunch of stuff to go through. And uh, but, but Google's a lot easier than Apple, and uh, and God knows what's happening with Apple now because they've changed um, a whole bunch of their reporting stuff, haven't they? The whole privacy thing that they bought out last mm. year has meant that all the uh, marketing has changed as well. So uh, so when it comes to computer games, marketing's a pretty straightforward thing. Uh, basically, the amount of money it costs you to acquire somebody has to be less than the amount of money you make from that person. And uh, with all the different tracking you can get um, through the app stores and across different uh, marketing uh, platforms, it was really easy. You could see exactly how much you were spending, you could see exactly how much money they were bringing in, and basically you could spend a million pounds. If it brought you three million pounds back in revenue, you just made two million pounds profit. Um, but the app stores stopped that. They suddenly said, well, you can't track these people now because they don't want you to. <laughs> it's like... From a, from a player point of view, brilliant, because I don't want people tracking me, but from a, uh, from a company point of view, uh, who knows what they're doing. But anyway, that's, that's, that's really boring marketing-y stuff. So do you play mobile? No. no I've, I, I work from home, so I'm in front of a computer all day, every day. Yeah, that's, that's me um, as well. I'm, just, yeah, I'm, not, no I'm, not a, I'm not a mobile player, but I, I have played it a little bit here and there, and I will say, I mm. mean, the amount of improvements they've made and are continuing to make is pretty drastic compared to when it was first released yeah yeah no it was, uh, it's, it's improved a lot which is which is good you can see that by the, the new people coming into the game so yeah so how big is the team now do you know like i i, I read at the bottom of a news post it's just like like 10 lines of names now hmm. so when we first started doing that we just you put the name down of the core team 
So it was the people who were working on the product and weren't dragged across um, other products. Um, so we had um, Weath, who was our anti-cheat specialist. We had um, um, to do, yeah, other people whose names I can't remember um, who, who were in departments working just on our product. And now it seems that um, entire departments are now added to that list. So you've got all the anti-cheating people will be on there. You've got um, all of the um, uh, data analysts will be on there and just just to get their naming credits. So I don't honestly know how big the team is. Um, uh, probably 30, 40 people, I reckon. That's just crazy. Actually work, develop it. So when did you leave Jagex? Because you've been away from it for a few years now. Yes, that would have been... May 2019. Okay. I think. And, and yeah. Do you miss it? Of course, yeah, of course. You know, it's I, I worked there for almost 15 years. Um I I miss um I miss some of it. So I miss working with the people, working with the people in the team. I miss having the uh, influence over the game that I once did. Um and um I get to hang out with the community anyway because I still do streaming and whatnot, so uh, I'm, I'm still involved in that, which was the best bit. But the uh, the bit I don't miss is the Jagex bit. That's the bit that I don't miss. I think it was great making the game, but dealing with the company, I didn't miss that. Okay, we need to we need to open up this uh, this can of worms <laughs> a little bit because <laughs> I know people want to hear it. So there always is like these conspiracy theories going around, like mm. the higher ups, you know, and the. Uh, the team that we deal with, you know, they're they're not able to share certain things, or they, mm. you know, can't fully have transparent responses because of the higher up. So, how is that exactly? Did you ever feel like you were kind of held hostage in a sense over the higher ups? So, one of the things I always tried to do is I always tried to because um, at the time I was uh, the product manager there, so. I was almost the interface between the team and um, uh, the senior uh, senior leadership, and um, I, I always tried to make sure they didn't see what I was seeing. Um, so I was I was put under a huge amount of pressure throughout for for years to get MTX into old school um, because it was the obvious next thing. And look, I mean, it's it's a it's an obvious thing to think about. It's like right, okay, if we want to make an extra fifty million quid, let's just stick MTX in old school. And from a business point of view, why would you not want to make an extra 50 million quid? And I spent an awful lot of my time um, battling that um, uh, in a very isolated way because you know I couldn't go to the team and say, hey, guys, all the all the senior managers are trying to do this thing we, th we all know is really bad because it wouldn't have helped them out if I'd have gone to them and said that. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was challenging times. And uh, occasionally I had to rely on the team to back me up um when uh when certain decisions were being forced through and um fortunately we managed to keep um, mtx out of um out of old school in fact just before i left sort of the last thing i did before i left uh i had um i was doing a study on how we could get mtx into old school the reason i was doing that study is because i i knew i'm pretty sure i knew the answer um but i wanted 
I wanted evidence and a data to back up what I was saying. But I couldn't go out with the mentality of saying, hey, I'm going to prove why MTX isn't going to work in old school. I had to go out with the mentality of, um, hey, I'm going to find out how we can get MTX into old school. And that's what I had to pitch publicly within the company. Is like, this is what I'm going to try and do. And uh, we had different... Um, uh, uh, I don't know what they're called. Um, different focus groups. Uh, we did a bunch in America. We did a bunch in uh, in the UK as well. And basically, we went to went to these focus groups and we said, "Hey, old school RuneScape's dying." It wasn't. We were just making this up. But you know, old school RuneScape's dying. Um, it's running out of money. We're going to be pulling the support soon. We have to find a way of making money. And then we pitched all these different ideas to these uh, players that we brought into a room to see where they would say um, where where they would say MTX was suitable. And the uh, the only thing they would ever accept, even if the game was absolutely dying, they would only accept cosmetics, but only if the game was dying. Even if they would rather the game die than have uh, buyable XP or anything like that in the game. And that was that was sort of music to my ears, because I knew off the back of that, it was like, we've done studies on this and we know that players would just leave the game if uh, ever we did this, if we tried to sell something, sell an item or sell XP. Yep. And here's the proof that we've got. And I don't think I think Ash didn't even realise this until well, about twelve months ago that uh, this is why I did it. I think he he honestly believed that I was trying to get MDX into old school. <laughs> um, and there's one item though that people, as soon as we mentioned this item to them, people would um, would uh, basically say, "Yeah, I'll pay for that right now." Don't care what anybody says. I will pay for this one item right now. What was it? No, you're gonna have a guess. Oh a guess. God. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking of like some sort of. RS3 thing. Um, I don't know, actually. Ironically, it's actually been put into game now <laughs> for free, which is which is, I thought was quite amusing. But it was um, Black Graceful. Oh wow! Um, as okay. soon as we pitched Black Graceful to people, we were like, "Well, would you buy this for twenty quid?" They were like, "Yeah, I've got my money here. Hey, take it. <laughs> Give me it now." Wow. Oh yeah, that was definitely a really highly requested at one point. Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. That was it. That, and, you know, it was, it was quite wonderful to actually come back from that and say, right, I'm, I'm right that, you know, people do not want MTX and I've got the evidence here to prove it. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, please, I managed to get that done before I, before I left. So. Yeah, I'm just trying to think as a player because I'm, I'm 100% against, you know, buyable XP, anything that's going to give you in-game mm. advantages. But... You're right. I mean, I think cosmetics, I, I'm agreeing with the players. If, if they had to be released into the game, and technically we already do have microtransactions through bonds, but they're like yeah. the best form of it possible. So I've got a question for you. Yeah. So why are you against buyable XP? I think it's, uh, so part of it is just the reason I gravitate toward this game. And I don't, I don't even play any other game at this point. I'm 28 mm. years old and I'm just, I, did, I don't even consider myself a gamer. I just consider myself a scaper. And I think the biggest reason is because every single game has some form of being able to progress through IRL means. And as soon as that's an option, I just lose interest. I just realize, like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to invest my time into this game if you can just get free advantages from not playing the game. But it, it has that already. So bonds, for example, and mm -hmm. real-world trading in itself, yep. that's happening all over the place. So you guys released Iron Man mode and I I've been mm. playing Iron Man exclusively for about seven years now. And that is like the most untainted mm. mode. And it's just, it's perfect. It's completely just like 
separate from any microtransactions. And if, if that were to be devalued in any way, I would not have a good time. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think I don't think you could touch uh, touch uh, Iron Man mode. Certainly, yeah. the uh, yeah that was all came from what Paul and um, Adam when they were doing their Iron Man modes in the back in the uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's where we stole that idea. Yeah, I mean that was um, brilliant. What what do you what do you, so what do you think about the success of Iron Man mode? Um, it's still surprising because um, again when it first came out, <laughs> Ultimate Iron Man, right? Uh, that that was basically a joke. We were like, meh. No one's going to want to do this. This is creating an incredibly hard, tough Iron Man thing. No one's going to want to play this. And it's like, oh, shit, people do. It's like, okay. Uh, that, was, that was practically a joke, that was, that we put in there, because we could. It didn't take any effort to do it. Um, but, yeah, so they, we track, I assume they still do, track the amount of Iron Men um, and different types of Iron Men and um, uh, different uh, uh, normal accounts. And they just keep growing. And more and more people keep playing Iron Man accounts, and I think you're right that people want a honest gaming experience where there is no, uh, where they feel they can compete against other people, and that um, achievements you make do have value and will always hold that value. Um, I think that's what why Iron Man is so so important. When I've got this item, it's because I've got this item. It's not because I've just made a whole bunch of money from uh, I don't know chopping down redwood trees and then uh, and uh, buying it. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's really like my it's the best gaming experience I've ever had. It's just playing old school Iron Man mode. That's fantastic. It's fantastic. So, yeah, the fact that that I mean it's actually very surprising to me that like RuneScape has Iron Man mode because that that would actually be something I'd be interested in. You know, potentially I'd, mm. I don't. I mean, currently I'm just playing old school. I'm already just fully addicted, so I don't really have much yeah. interest venturing out right now. But knowing that there is an Iron Man mode there sounds nice because when I think of RuneScape, I think of microtransactions, 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 just everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the microtransactions impact Iron Man. I assume it doesn't. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, But but it'd be be odd if they did. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was another, I mean, you look at the biggest updates that old school RuneScapes had, it's not content updates that have driven people to play the game it's all the other things that happened around the outside so it's things such as the game going free to play um there's things such as uh, mobile um even the resizable screen had a massive impact on uh, on people playing it um and it's those updates that made the biggest impact on people playing uh, uh playing old school rather than uh, you know the latest update uh, the latest you know inferno didn't have that big an impact on people playing it um it was the other stuff around the outside. So, so let's actually talk a little bit about uh, like resizable and stuff because I do remember really early polls. This this is stuff that was told to mm. me. It's like early polls. Like at, at some point, I think maybe like the the left the the scroll wheel to move your camera was like failed at some point or it got really close to failing. Uh, I, <laughs> I I don't exactly remember the poll, but yeah. we got we got some weird stuff happened. Um, uh, it was it was very much. I mean, the early days it was about finding our feet on what the polls were, uh, what people really wanted to see polled, what we should poll, what we shouldn't poll, um, and uh, it was some stuff people didn't want. The Grand Exchange is actually a great story for uh, how that came about, because we looked at the Grand Exchange and said, look, one of the things that that I always try to do to the game is if someone's doing something and they're not getting any benefit from it. So, for example, they're standing around in Falador trying to sell an item. 
Um, they're not getting any XP. Um, they're not gaining any items. They're just doing trading. We should make that easier because they should be playing the game to grow your character. Um, so we thought we you know we pulled the Grand Exchange and the Grand Exchange failed. And uh, so we're like, well, how about we just do a trading post? So uh, you can post your trades on it, and then you can contact the person who wants to buy your trade. Then you can meet up and do the trade. Uh, people are like, yeah, that's a great idea. So in order to do that, we um, had to put in a whole bunch of the um, Grand Exchange um, technology to do that. So we thought we might as well just stick it all in. So we, we incorporated it all in, because what was likely to happen, and what did happen, was that we'd put this trading post in, and then people go, actually, we want the Grand Exchange back now, please, thank you. Uh, which is exactly what happened. <laughs> so we put the trading post in, and people were like, this is great, but can we have the Grand Exchange, because it would be even greater then. We're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> So, that's awesome. So, so we had that up and working in about three days because um, everything was already in. Okay, so let's, let's let's actually talk about the Grand Exchange because there was definitely a huge divide between not wanting it, making this it wouldn't be old mm. school anymore, and then there was actually a huge chunk of players that I mean, obviously the majority that did want it and thought it would be a good addition. So, I'm assuming the team was really actually for the Grand Exchange. Is that correct? Um, I think it was obvious what was going to happen um, when we looked at it. We there there was a nostalgic element um, to the game. That's like I enjoy trading in Fally, and it's like, do you really enjoy trading in Fally, or is it you're you're afraid that this is the first step in a bad direction? You know, this is the first step of Easy Escape, mm-hmm. um, and which is why we we offered sort of the in between things like how about. All the people that are saying that you enjoy meeting up with people and trading, we give you that ability, but we make it easier to find that person to trade with. And um, yeah, it's, they, they soon change their turn tune to go. Actually, we do actually trust you a little bit. Go on and let's have the grand exchange, um, which was which was quite cool. So the wow. biggest yeah, update yeah. that that made me realise um, that the game had changed significantly was actually the um, shift click drop. Because to me, being able to drop um, items quickly and effectively was uh, part of the leveling mechanic. If you wanted to go out and power mine something, um, you had to be able to drop um, iron ores really quickly. The quicker you could do it, it was a skill that you learned in order to get more XP. And mm-hmm. the day that they, they voted in um, shift-click drop, I was like, ah, oh, shit, the game's <laughs> changed forever now. Um, I still can't drop iron ore effectively, of course. No, but, no, I've um, seen videos. Yeah, you can. You're yeah. really good at it. <laughs> As I went to Odoblock's stream um, <laughs> yesterday or the day before, and he saw me in there, and he goes, Matt, Matt, every time I see you, I think of this video, and immediately brought up the video of me failing to drop the iron ore. <laughs> and I'm like, do, do, do you keep this somewhere safe so you can always watch it no matter what? <laughs> Is it sort of your motivation in the morning? I'll watch it every morning. Like, he got hold of that clip way too quickly. That's awesome. Yeah, there, there's some clips that are just like, you can find them pretty quickly. Or, uh, mm. Yeah, I, I would imagine some people probably have them just permanently copied to their clipboard and, you know, pasting them in yeah. people's streams. And I, I, I'm sure I'd have blocked us that. Yeah. Isn't that awesome, though? Like, you you literally became, like, the meme of the century with that. I mean, it was just, I mean, that, it's just classic at this point. You can put it on anything and it works. The, pro- the problem I've got, right, okay, and this, this is why it happened, okay. is because I've got big hands, right? I mean, my, my hands are really big. And, uh, and and I lose mice in my hands because my hands are so big. Uh, and the mouse I was using at that time was this tiny little travel mouse, which is about a quarter of the size of a normal mouse. So I just couldn't even get my fingers onto the buttons. It was that small. And that's the excuse I'm sticking to. No one can prove me otherwise. 
Oh my god. Uh, those little <laughs> mice, by the way, I've used those before. Those are hand cramping. I mean, they're awful yes. to use. They are. They're, they're pretty terrible. I've got a uh, razor nagger now. I think. Yeah. Very nice. Which is uh, still not big enough, but you know, it's, it's the biggest you can get. So. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting you say the shift click dropping was the the mm. moment you kind of saw. Oh, oh no, the the game's going you know in the easy escape direction. Yeah. Because. Um, and and I feel like almost every player, at least like you know the really passionate players, definitely have like their line that if you cross this, it's over. I mean, just the game's done for. But it never is. Mm. It's just the game continues on nicely. But um, that was actually one of the updates. Like I, I've definitely become a lot more like progressive with this game. I think initially I kind of just uh, took on the like high level stance where you know mm. people were very purist toward the game and. For, yeah. for their own reasons and it made sense to me but definitely as i've seen the game progress and be made more like streamlined and just more um i don't know just not as clunky it actually is a really good thing for the game long term and obviously now nowadays the player base is just so efficient uh like like efficiency driven and um cleaning up that clunkiness with uh you know having left click drop and like these left click banking and stuff and oh my god we, we could talk about plugins all day too that's actually we'll probably talk about that because you were in the early days of that but uh i personally think like shift click dropping and all that stuff is really good for the game as long as it's done correctly and not made too easy too quick mm. so. yeah i mean the game's got to progress so you look at games that don't change um and they die really quickly if the game doesn't progress it will it, it will die um and uh, and in the first uh, year, our first two years, in fact, we put out um, 100 updates in the first two years. That's uh, four weeks off we basically had in two years of updates. Wow. And those were the, over the Christmas. Um, so I thought I'd better give the team Christmas off. Uh, and uh, But yeah, so that just shows the amount of, of effort that goes into or went in, especially in the early days, of actually keeping the game moving forward. Even if there were tiny, small things, it was still changing, it was still developing, it was still evolving into something else. And a lot of people wanted to say, you know, can't we, and I still get the question now, can't can't we have a um, old, old school server? It's like, well, nobody would play it. Uh, you get a handful of people who play it, and if you want it to remain old, old school, then people will get bored of it pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, because the development and you know the new content, the new areas to explore, the new stories to be a part of, um, the new you know changes to how you do things is is all key to make the game interesting and, and continue being alive. Um, if it's the same old thing over and over again, then uh, yeah, it wouldn't be anywhere near as successful as it is right now. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't be to it wouldn't be made to be successful. It would be made for those players that just you know there's that handful of players mm. that just really don't want any changes being made absolutely they went the reason old school came well the thinking behind old school coming out initially was that um uh it would show players how bad the game was back in 2007 <laughs> and they'd all go back and play um uh, uh eoc um clearly that wasn't the case had they have you know had they have um uh, had they have uh, not had a team looking after it, then you know people would not be playing old school right now. Um, the fascinating thing is, I, I would say, you know, EOC is the best thing that could have happened to Jagex. Yeah. Because even though it came out, people hated it. 
Um, 30% of players left the game, which is what bought out old school. Um, had had EOC have either not happened or been mildly successful, um, then how many people would be playing RuneScape now? Not very many. I mean, the fact that uh, the player base is probably four times what it would be now if EOC had uh, never have happened. Um, hang on, that's completely the wrong way around. Had the EOC never have happened, the player base would be a quarter of what it is now, yep. if not lower. And, you know, Jagex probably wouldn't even survive as a company. They certainly wouldn't be trying to sell themselves for a billion dollars. So um, it's uh, it's nuts. Best yeah, thing. Things... I mean, if it were planned, it'd be amazing, but I don't think it was. Yeah. It was accidentally a good thing. Yeah, it's cool to see, you know, those mistakes end up being very fruitful. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about uh, plugins. When, mm-hmm. when Old School first dropped, was there any sort of client? When did OS Buddy become a thing? Was that already a thing? Um, OS Buddy existed. Um, well, it existed as RS Buddy first. It was a, um, a botting site uh, for RuneScape. And um, they bought out, uh, RuneScape bought, Jagex bought out the Cluster Flutterer, it was called. It was a um, supposed to solve botting. Uh, the way it worked, and I might get some of the details wrong, but it's fundamentally this. Um, the way it works, it changed the um, uh, the item ID of items so that you couldn't, if you were to say, use item ID on this, that item ID would change. Therefore, you wouldn't have that item in you because the it would be looking for something else rather than what you thought it was looking for. Mm. Um, and uh, so we launched this system, and in five hours, the owner of RS Buddy... Uh, broke it um <laughs> and um he emailed uh, mmg who was the ceo at the time so there you go i've broken it and mmg was like oh why don't you come to runefest we'll bring you over to runefest you can show us what you've done and uh, so i brought him to runefest and um and offered him a job um in the engine team and uh he took the job and um i mean i assume they're still friends i mean they've always been pally um and when the old school came out um he actually um uh, jack mob his name was um, he actually built most of the anti-botting stuff for uh, for old school RuneScape, and uh, then launched OS Buddy, which was a um, a a uh, helper. You know, it's basically a room light, but um, with a payment system in there, um, so you could actually buy uh, plugins. And then yeah. the, uh, it had a competitor, Conduit. When did that come out? Do you remember? Oh, this is this is dirty. Okay. So Conduit was <laughs> was I got a message from one of the Conduit people. Um, so we were getting quite pally with um, OS Buddy. Uh, we made several attempts to buy OS. I was going to get me in so much trouble, but hey, lawyers. Um, we made several attempts to buy OS Buddy. Um, we were planning to partner with OS Buddy, and um, Con- uh, somebody from Conduit got in touch with me and said, um, "How dare you uh, sue us to shut us down?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, the people from OS Buddy have uh, said uh, sent a message on your behalf saying you're going to sue us and shut us down." I'm like, "What? <laughs> no, I haven't." And you know, we didn't care about Conduit; they were just they were, they were you know small fish. So we didn't really care about them. Um, so anyway, so they, they shut down. I can't remember the exact details of it, but that was quite funny. So wow. OS Buddy were playing, uh, playing um, uh, silly buggers there. 
So OS Buddy was definitely the most popular, and then Rune Light, I swear, came out of the shadows and just overtook it by night. Yeah, no, indeed. And so, um, uh, I, so I was having arguments over this this partnership with OS Buddy with my boss, and the team knew about it. They weren't happy about it, and uh, eventually, you know, we we managed to convince our boss that we shouldn't be partnering with them because it's effectively. Uh, adding MTX into old school through OS Buddy. Um, and so we, uh, we, um, uh, and RuneLight came out. RuneLight didn't come out. RuneLight had been around for a couple of years prior to anything happening. And uh, I mean, I knew the guy that ran it as well. I'd, I'd, um, I'd spent some time with him in the uh, high level forums that I used to run back in sort of 08, 09. Uh, so I knew the guy pretty well. Um, and I was chatting to him, and you know, he, he he was making Runelight for the right reasons. He said, you know, his main driver for it was, I want Runelight because I want people to have what iOS Buddy has, but for free. That's the only reason I'm doing it. The guy had a job. The guy was at university as well at the same time, and he was doing, he was running Runelight, uh, building Runelight, and he'd been doing it for two years off his own back. And that was that was why he wanted to do it. That was his motivation. I was like, fair play. The problem with Runelight is that it was open source. Um, now, if you think about what it takes to build a botting client, um, the uh, the difficult bit isn't building the botting bit, it's building the client. Uh, building a client that interacts with the game is pretty hard, and uh, you need a level of expertise to do that. Writing a botting script is a piece of piss. And suddenly Runelight had this client that was open source that anyone could just take and do anything with. So I sat in a meeting with our um, lawyers and our, uh, uh, you know, Top, top brass in the company, you know, the highest of the high. And they said, Matt, you've got to shut it down. Um, you've got to threaten to sue him if you don't shut it down. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do that. So I had a call with Adam and um, and said, look, mate, you've got to shut it down. We're going to sue you if you don't. And uh, he uh, he uh, decided not to do that, uh, which I'm secretly pleased about. I'm not secretly anymore. I don't have to be secret about it. Um, but I was quite, quite pleased about because um, he then just, put out the news publicly that I'd gone on there and told him that we were going to sue him. Uh, and so next day, that client had been forked 4,000 times. Um, it would, Everybody had their own copy of it. And um, so I got back in touch with Adam again and said, uh, yeah, so um, about yesterday, <laughs> can you just close source it for us? Because this is the real reason. I'd, I just so wish that you know I'd had the balls to stand up to the lawyers and the senior mm. people and said, can't we just get him to close source it first, then figure out what the right thing to do is rather than going all guns blazing and uh, and trying to scare him and shutting it down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is what happens when lawyers get involved in decisions like that and they don't understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so had, had we done that, and if had I gone to Adam and said, hey, uh, can you close source it? Because we're worried about people building bots off the back of it and then we can work together to figure out how we can make it what you want it to be. Um, I think that uh, uh, the game would have a lot less bots in it right now. Um, and um, the, uh, the it would have been a much better PR. I would have had less, less threats. And uh, that would have been quite nice. That was quite a stressful night. Oh, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so it's it's fascinating now that we. I mean, I mean you you're. I mean, Jagex is fully teamed up with Runelight. They're promoting mm, it on their yes. site and everything. So you guys are completely partnered, and um, it's 
interesting because like i mean i don't feel like there's many players that aren't using rune light now like maybe new mm. players I, I guess or people that are using the steam client yeah i mean the the steam client i think is yeah it's, it's messy um obviously clearly what jagex wants is jagex wants everybody to use their client yeah um but they can't do that until they've got a client that's better than rune light and i don't think they can ever win that battle and they've got to put so much resources into making a client that's better than Runelight because people will not move um, if they're forced to do it. They will, people will rather leave the game than leave Runelight behind unless there's a better client to go to. Yeah. So they've had to go this and start working with, uh, I assume Adam still runs it, um, uh, and, and make it make it happen. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting where it's going. Um, the only way, and this is, it, this is where it gets really interesting, the only way they're ever going to stop bots is if they shut down all the clients and only allow you to access it through a um, through an official client, uh, a C++-based client. Because otherwise, there's just no way they're ever going to stop the bots. So th- would that like completely remove the botting issue or it would just make it so easy to detect? Like, How, how, do they, how exactly does that work? Like, If optimally we all did migrate to one official client? Yeah, so the client's got to be at least C++, so it's got to be um, in a decent operating language mm. uh, because what that allows them to do is it allows them to binarize a whole bunch of the stuff behind it so that if anybody um, cracks it and changes it, they can detect that it's been changed and know the difference between their client and a different client. Um, and that's you know how, how most things work. The, um, the It's not going to stop it 100%. Um, nothing will stop it 100%, um, but it will make it a hell of a lot better if they do do this. Um, but they can't rely on RuneLight to create a, a C++ client um, that, uh, that will do this. So they've got to do it themselves. Interesting. Um, and it's not, not an easy thing to do. But it would drastically reduce bots. If you want to drastically reduce bots, of course, that's not always necessarily a good thing to do. Yeah, I want to hear your stance on that. Because I definitely, I think I've heard um, at least little snippets of you talking about the good potentially that bots have done for the game it's not necessarily the good it's more about what what the bots bring to the game so the way i sort of explain this is you know it's it's a question to you again what would happen if all the bots disappeared tomorrow never came back we would be surprised at item prices (laughs) that's that's what would happen item prices would go up yeah all right now are you telling me you want to spend your time collecting flax? I'm an Iron Man. You're an Iron Man, so you're strange yeah. anyway. But yeah, exactly, exactly. No, no, but I, I, I try to at least capture what the main core, um, mm. you know, player base really is. They have jobs. They have you know seven kids, seven jobs, seven, uh, you know, children they're dealing with, all that stuff. You know, the, the typical Reddit meme. But uh, yeah, people exactly. don't people don't want to be collecting flax. Yeah, indeed. And you just sort of look at, you know, I play the game. I want to do things that I enjoy, right? You know, I've got a full-time job. I've got a family to look after. I've got my business that I run. Um, I don't have an awful lot of playing time. Um, I want to do stuff I enjoy. Right now, I'm actually doing agility, but, I mean, so clearly I'm a very strange person, but, you know, there we go. Um, the um, But... People don't enjoy doing the low-level stuff. People don't. Not everybody enjoys doing the low-level stuff. People want to get to the end-game content. A lot of people want to get to the bosses. Want to get the best items. Want to make money in order to buy them. Um, and that is that is what bots bring. Bots are like, well, we'll do all the crappy jobs that you don't want to do. 
So the items are there, so you can do the stuff that you want to do and get to the content you want to play quicker. And that's that's one of the big impacts that getting rid of bots will have. Um, on, on top of that as well, um, I, I must admit, I don't see a huge impact from bots in-game. Um, when I'm thinking about bots, I'm thinking about what's stopping me from playing the game I want to play. Um, I don't have any problems getting resources I want to get to. I don't see them in-game doing that. Um, I, d I don't know where these bots are. I mean, maybe you've got a better idea than me. I'm standing under like five of them right now. I'm angler well, fishing. <laughs> okay, are they stopping you getting your angler fish? <laughs> no, they're not. So, no, it, okay. it, so yeah, I, I think it, for sure, and I've kind of talked about this with other guests, it's like we clearly, like the the player base is still loving the game. Like there's nothing mm. that's n nothing that's making people leave, you know, like a mass exodus of just like, Oh, there's too many bots. We're all quitting. Like everyone's mm. still playing. Everyone's still having a great time. Um, I think the main thing that bothers people and bothers me, especially. And again, like I play Iron Man, like the, these things actually really don't affect me, but um, like as much, but some people, and we see it every day on Reddit is, you know, you check out the high scores and you just see some, boss that just flooded like every single account on like the top 25 is just botting like it's, it's clear that they're not real players or they're mm. gold farming potentially and um you know then people are looking at people thieving to 200 mil and beyond and just i feel like part of it is just the idea it's not really like it's affecting the gameplay it's just the fact that there's not as much integrity to the game because of it yeah so i i can understand the high schools that i do get um, one of the, if if you've got a high score, you want the person at the top to be the best at that thing, um, not a bot. So yeah. somebody who's who's ground out, you know, ten bajillion uh, Callisto kills wants to be at the top of the high scores, um, and that's an achievement that somebody should feel comfortable. I mean, we all know what it's like when a new skill comes out, um, and people just charge for um, the first person uh, to uh, to get to ninety nine, and the first person to get two hundred millions, and that's a whole. A whole meta in itself. Uh, it's something which is super important. So high scores I get, um, and uh, it's it's. But other than that, um, the only other place that you see them as well is um, spamming the GE. But then they're just spam bots. They're not impacting any gameplay. You just turn off your chat filter and they're they're gone. Um, but that's 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 it. Bots I don't think are inherently bad. And I think high scores can be cleaned up. Um, I don't think that's so much a problem. And again, to be honest with you, the people at the top of the high schools won't necessarily be bots. They'll be gold farming accounts that play by hand. Uh, some poor, some poor grandma in Venezuela or something um, will be playing those. And um, uh, so, which is why the bot detection stuff probably doesn't pick it up. Yeah, because um, they're they're they are just hand playing it. Yeah. Um, but then equally, the anti-cheat teams seem to spend most of their time right now targeting uh, death matches rather than going through the high scores banning these people. Mm. Which, which to me would be like, I mean, they don't even have to ban them. He's got to remove them from the high scores. They don't want to ban people, just some extra tool that said, right, you're not going to appear in the high scores. Yeah. Keep the accounts in game. Yeah, I... I... I do wonder what it would be like, like if we could just almost live in an alternate reality, just seeing what the game would be like with no bots. Mm. Um, because, yeah, I agree with you on, you know, it, it's not going to affect the, 
the day-to-day player. People are still going to play. People are still going to have a good time. Um, but I actually do think that clearing bots that are doing the, the busy chores would actually be kind of an interesting thing because I actually think it would kind of encourage, not not like encourage skilling, but it, it would make skilling feel less like a means to an end. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of unique in this position. Most people just like the PVM. People like just having the, you know, just the high uh, excitement activities always going. But I think one thing we miss from bot or uh, from the, just the sheer amount of bots is just that that like low key like enjoyment from skilling, where we don't really get mm-hmm. that anymore. It's not rewarding because they're just flooded with bots. So. And what what way is it not rewarding? I mean, just rewarding in like a GP sense. Like you're just not, you're you're not able to. I mean, prices are so low on every mm. massive resource. It's just not even. It's it's never worth your time to just do some AFK skilling. Where yeah yeah yeah, and no, I can I can get that. I'd get that. But yeah, it's just, it's a challenging one. And you know, at the end of the day, the bots will bring in some revenue for Jagex and probably several million pounds a year. Um, yeah, and they're not going to yeah. want to get rid of that. Yeah, that's the, I think the biggest thing that we kind of recognize is like, okay, there's really not that big of an incentive for Jagex to do any like huge, uh, I don't know, cleanup of this. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be solved more from technology than it can just from banning accounts. I mean, hiding the bots is, is one way of going about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you can reduce the visibility of them so people see them less, like I said, take them out the high scores. Um, it can even manage the uh, economy prices as well if you wanted to do that. Um, off the back of that, but it's uh, it's a contentious issue, and I think it's it's a contentious issue because of um, almost like the legacy stance on bots and cheating as well within game. Um, Jagex has always said that it's bad, um, but I think people have forgotten why it's bad and don't ask the questions now. It's like actually. Why should we stop this? Why would why, what difference would this make to me if this thing suddenly stops happening or this thing starts happening? Um, other than, other than, uh, I believe it's a good thing because Jagus has always told me it is. Yeah, no, that's a interesting question. What, so, what do you think about just integrity in general when it comes to services and when it comes to people logging into people's accounts for in-game achievements? Like, do you have any? You know, because that seems to be another thing that Jagex has just stated for years and years is that, you know, like this this game is about, you know, the in-game achievements and things you can mm. show off. And when those get devalued, like, is that a good thing? Is that healthy? I think with uh, something like Inferno, um, no, it's not healthy. No, you, sh- you, need to, you need to protect what an Inferno cape is. And uh, for anybody who can to Inferno, and there isn't an awful lot. There's probably a matter of thousands of people who can do it. Um, you know, it's a skill that suddenly I have this cape that proves I am good at what I do. And now you see somebody with a cape and you immediately think, did they get them themselves? Mm, don't know. Um, so, I mean, that's 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 basically the, the reputation that's gone already. Uh, but that needs that needs solving. It's, just it's so easy tough. to solve as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to solve. It's not, not a difficult thing to to identify people who are doing it it just needs resource to do it need somebody to look at them really it's not diff- uh, even when with people parsacking like just completely like i feel like it's almost undetectable i i mean i don't know what's going on in your guys' systems of or at least what the systems you guys use 
or yeah, I'm, 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 I'm imagining you're still on the team. I, I'm sorry if I keep saying like you're, you're, that's you guys fine. like you're on the team, but yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, you can, you can see how people's play styles suddenly change. Mm. And there's so many metrics that you can pull. It's, it's not difficult to find. It's not difficult to see at all. Okay. And you could build tools that would automate it as well. I'm pretty sure you could do that. <laughs> it's right. always funny, like those uh, infernal cape cleanups, you know, all of a sudden there's this huge, uh, you know, well, what, a matter of, of like a thousand accounts getting their mm. infernal cape removed. And then you just see the people that don't log in for like a week or two and they're like, <laughs> huh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, indeed. It's, uh, it's, it's quite amusing, but it's yeah i mean it's it's a solvable problem and you know they can identify them without too much difficulty even you know uh it's it's, it's very easy interesting interesting that's that's actually kind of cool to know in the sense uh i don't feel like people really understand that i think people just see as like if you've logged into a different computer that's the only real metric you guys are getting but you can yeah. so to give sort of an idea there's um everything you do absolutely everything you do is tracked in game and time stamped absolutely everything um no matter what it is it's done if you've got that window in focus you're you're, you're tracked um and, and uh, when i left jagex was capturing i think three terra three terabytes of data a day from old school runescape um wow. just just the just the metrics and telemetry from the games wow. so huge huge amounts of data is being captured and you know that data will allow you to find out absolutely anything i mean one of the best things i ever built at um, jagex was um a tool which allowed you to look at what a person did next so they complete a task what do they do next and then we used a whole bunch of machine learning chaps i've been mean, did clever shit that i didn't understand um to find different types of content that people would move to so you could actually say right okay if somebody does some wood cutting what what they most likely to do after chopping down a tree are they likely to chop a tree down again are they likely to go off and not come back for three weeks are they likely to go and do um i don't know fishing what have you and then we could track you know the likelihood of somebody doing something after they've completed the task they were doing and uh, do, do you want to have a guess at what the most um engaging task was where people always went back and did that same task again more often than not so it has to be like a, a like a skill or just something they're doing in game a a thing a a a skill type or not a skill but a activity in game okay because i was gonna say i would i would have said if it wasn't a skill they just go to the grand exchange and bank stand for a little bit but um <laughs> i'm gonna guess uh huh let me think that i mean i would assume it's just i don't know you're gonna have to tell me I, i'm just imagining chopping a tree or something but i, I don't know <laughs> what the average player is like honestly it was clue scrolls so you do a clue scroll and the first thing you do is do another clue scroll wow and, uh treasure trails were, were the most engaging piece of content at a high level it was raids um but across everybody in the game it's clue scrolls wow it's the most engaging piece of content absolutely fascinating i hope they still use that tool because that was that was great so let me get your thoughts on uh, clue scrolls being a distraction and diversion we've had four leagues out now and mm. one of the things you get from that is a stackable clues yeah. um, which completely remove that distraction and diversion what what is your stance on that i what i found with leagues is that i've had no desire to do clues because i've just got so many of them to do 
I've got uh, what seventy two um, hard clues in my bank on leagues at the moment. I'm like, I'm not going to do them, so I'm just not going to do any. Um, and it's you know it, it's good to have a live stack for people who love clues. Uh, maybe it's maybe a better way of doing it is to have um, some sort of unlock for stackable clues rather than just making it available to everybody. For people who really want to, and it's something hard, you know, you know, an elite diary of clue elite diary or something, um, where you've got to complete it to get stackable clues. Or maybe you could have a whole, this is just be spitballing, so I've not put any thought into this at mm-hmm. all. Maybe a clue diary, specifically a clue diary. Um, once you've completed the easy one, you get stackable easy clues, and then once you've completed the next one, it goes up in tiers until you get stackable clues at each level. And the people who are really interested in doing clues and want to get the stackable clues can actually have an achievement around that um, so they can then collect them and um, do them at any point. But for the average player who just sees a clue as, oh, a distraction and diversion, then um, it stays the same. Mm-hmm. So maybe something like that might be a, might be a way around it. Did Okay, so you, you had left before they uh, released the first leagues. Yes. Um, what do you think about leagues just in general? I mean, it, obviously it's massively popular. Oh, indeed, yeah. It's. I mean, I've I've been playing this league constantly. Um, it's been enormous fun. I want to max my account before it finishes, but I'm sure I'll get there. But um, anyway, the um, uh, it's it's an obvious next step from Deadman mode. So a lot of people play Deadman mode just for the XP boosts because you could do stuff you hadn't done in it before. You could see those XP drops getting really high, and it's, it, it was really good. And I was really pleased Kieran found a way to. Um, energize people and uh, motivate people into playing something where you couldn't really give a reward for it. Because Deadman mode was easy, right? You know, you you won it, you got a bunch of cash. There's your motivation right there. Uh, leagues, people seem to be doing it without any huge motivation, although there is a reward in the main game for it. It's kind of like people are enjoying it because they're enjoying the gameplay rather than necessarily for that reward. In fact, I don't even know what you get for the rewards. Um it's, uh, it's uh, I, I think it's it's brilliant that it worked, and this this latest one has been uh, incredibly fun, incredibly fun. Good job, Kieran. Yeah, they've nailed it. So I'm I'm assuming leagues will probably continue here on out indefinitely. Did, did, have you ever like talked to the team about like potential new ideas for leagues, or are they pretty content with just kind of having it be what it is right now and just keep improving on it? Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I've, I, I haven't spoken to the team since I left, so it's, yeah. uh, it's. Uh, I think they will do another leagues. Um, I think it's generally low effort content uh, to create, so it's not hugely expensive to create, um, and they can whack it out when they don't have other big content to do. So, um, do they do it yearly? I don't think they would do it yearly. I think maybe every two years they'll, they'll trot one out. Um, were you work. were you there for King of the Skill? Yes. Okay. That that happened. was that was a really interesting uh, drop. It was just like a month where you have an account that has twenty four hours to log in. You try to get as much XP as possible. Yeah, I don't remember much about that. It was a competition we did. Yeah, there, there would. There, I mean, I it was like much. if you were like the top three in any skill, you got some sort mm. of like little reward, and then if you were like the top, I don't know, five in overall yeah. total level, 
Um, that was the actual interesting stuff to watch is watching Wooks and Bodie going for total levels because you would see people just grinding tithe farm for 24 straight hours trying to yeah. get their farming. That was boring. But uh, that was just such an, a fascinating like release of something that like you just didn't have much time to really plan it. It's just like, okay, mm. go, like, you know, hypothesize about what you're going to do. Yeah, the um, I mean, one of the great things that we were able to do on old school and it um, doesn't seem to happen so much anymore was there was a, an ability um, and a desire to try out new things and not worry about it failing. Because um, failure is the biggest impact uh, or biggest reason not to make a decision, not to try something new. But if you're comfortable with failing, comfortable with things not working, um, then uh, then you could try all this new weird stuff. Um, and I think, you know, right now, Jagex, especially with the, the sale coming up as well, they're uh, so risk averse at the moment. They daren't try anything new. They're just going to have to keep doing the same stuff over and over again. Mm, yeah. um, and I mean, well, one thing that worries me more than anything is although um, Jagex are very good at um, being innovative inside the um, RuneScape bubble, um, being innovative outside of it is something which um, they don't haven't done. I haven't seen them do in the last. Five years or so. So by that I mean things such as Dead Man Mode. Um, that was a massive. Well, it wasn't even a massive risk. It was just something that just might not work. Seemed like a good idea, so we did it. Um, and you know, you look at the the context behind it, and it just doesn't work. The whole the whole theory behind it just doesn't work because effectively you're taking an MMO, which is all about building your character, um, building your um, skills, and um, going out and doing bigger and better stuff. And then putting it in a context of a world where if you die, you lose everything. So you're taking away the whole reason for playing the game from somebody. Uh, you lose your XP, you lose your items. So theoretically, it just doesn't work. But that juxtaposition just, just worked for Dead Man Mode. But that, that sort of out-of-the-box thinking doesn't seem to be happening a huge amount right now. Or mm. um, maybe it is, and they're just not being public about it. Um, I did hear that they are looking at um, uh, rentable servers or private servers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, there was actually a topic on Twitter about that. What, mm. are, you, what are your thoughts on these kind of rentable, sort of create-your-own servers? Well, I mean, I pitched it before I left. Um, I was basically told um, uh, to shut up that it wasn't worth putting the effort <laughs> into. Uh, and I was like, well, you're wrong. Um, um, because it was the obvious next step for me. You, know, you look at it and you go, right, you've got a game that is controlled by... Um, uh, players, what's the next thing you can do to, uh, to to allow them to have more control? Why don't you just let them build the game themselves? Why don't you give them tools in order to create their own content? And it sort of came around like, oh, what we could do, what was a very easy thing to do would be, well, let's let everybody be a JMOD. Okay, let's allow them to rent a server from us, um, say a bond a month for you, know, you and four friends. Um, and you could all be JMods on that server. It wouldn't obviously account to your main account save, but you'd go around and you could do stuff and you could do cool stuff and have, have fun and you know do, do something normal like that. Then it was like, well, why can't you then um, allow them to start creating their own content? So why can't you give them uh, a map editor so they can move trees around? Um, uh, why can't you give them access to tools which allow them to create new bosses and eventually give them access to tools that allow them to put new assets into the game? So they can start creating their own content, very much like Minecraft does. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And uh and that that to me was, you know, the the biggest thing that you could ask for your players or you could do for your players is like you love the game so much, why don't you make the content? And then you can make content, and then you could charge other people to access it as well. So, for example, if you have a server that you pay 50 bonds a month for, um, so that you know 500 people can access it, you then charge everybody you know a bond for a month's access, and you can make a whole bunch of money off it. Jagex will make a whole bunch of money off it, and then you can start building businesses around creating RuneScape content. Wow! The amount of different content that could be created would be would be huge. And you know, I, I pitched this, and it was like that's just that's crazy. No one's going to do that. <laughs> and then you look at things like Roblox. You look at things like uh, Fortnite. Yeah. Uh, you look at things like um, you know all the Web three stuff that's going on where people do this and the building businesses around it. And it's like should have done it five years ago. Done it five years ago. I mean, company would be huge. Wow. So what what do you think? I mean, is that just not being talked about? And I mean, uh, you're not there anymore. But do you think this is something they're even considering at this point like something like yeah that. i've heard i've heard they are yeah i've heard i mean i've heard they're talking about rentable servers um i don't know quite what they call them um but how far that goes and what that actually is um i i don't know what that means they did put some questions in the um survey didn't they end of last year yeah yeah about yeah. it but um and what i'm hoping they don't do is they don't look at it and go oh well nobody was particularly excited about it so we're not going to do it because that's that's the wrong approach to take you know people that will not understand what you could do with it until they've got it in their hands, which yeah. is why people don't get excited about new stuff. And uh, you know, new, excitable things has to be um, driven and a passive way of sending a, um, a, a, a questionnaire around and then um, analysing the answers from that is not going to uh, get you much insight, I don't think. That is so fascinating. I mean, we're, I mean, I could literally see that completely transforming what OSRs is. I think there's got to be a lot of fear attached to that of just what that means for the game. But like, I I can't see it being a a failure at all. It almost seems like, like it would just, yeah, like you said, like just massively grow. It's, it's interesting to see, you know, because some, some of the time people get worried about um, like new game modes and stuff, kind of like separating Mm. the community and dividing it. Um, this, I mean, you know, if you were to be able to create or like rent your own like servers and stuff, that would create massive division. But at the same time, why well, we wouldn't know? I mean, the the whole community is divided into four hundred and eighty different servers, but you can still communicate. Whatever that server's doing, you can still communicate with people. You can still talk to people, and the community is still there and the same. Now, Iron Men are they really a different community to non Iron Men? No, you're still playing the same game. You're just doing it in the way that you want to. I don't see that's going to split the community 
Interesting. Yeah, no, this would have to be something where like you really don't see how good it could be until it's really implemented. So until it's in people's hands, like you said. And imagine the just the sheer amount of of content creation you can make from being able to build your own stuff. Oh, I would be obsessed with it. Yeah, Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? The 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 new brand of content creators that are going to appear because they're better at making stuff than everybody else. Um, God, imagine what Odablock will do. (laughs) <laughs> that'll be it'll be hilarious to see but there's there's so much so much cool stuff that you could do it's it's uh, but hopefully it will happen and hopefully it will be um you know uh it will be what what i envisaged it to be which is a way for players to create their own content and to show their love of runescape by creating stuff better than, than jagex ever has done and there'll be some amazing stuff that could come out of that Furry Wall asks, what was your favorite memory at Jagex not related to RuneScape? Not related to RuneScape. I mean, they're all kind of related to I know, RuneScape, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, huh, what, what, what could it even be? <laughs> yeah, um... Well, what about like outside, like, uh, you know, like maybe like some, I don't know, events you had to go to or something. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard, isn't it? It's, um, I mean, one of the sort of the best, best moments I had was um, we did a dead man in um, California. I did it in Los Angeles. We wanted to see what one on the ground in America would do. And um, we were uh, we we were working with ESL, uh, the esports people. I had a studio over there we were going to use, and uh, got all the contracts signed and everything. And um, uh, my head of events came to me and said, "Matt, we should do a site visit." I'm like, "What do you mean a site visit?" It's like, "Yeah, we should do a site visit. We should go to uh, Los Angeles and check out the um, the uh, event arena." It's like, "I can't do that. It's like, I can't fly all the way to Los Angeles just for a two-hour meeting just to look at a building. That seems seems like <laughs> it's like look." That if we go there, it's not what you expect it to be, and you've just lost all the money you're paying for a dead man. I was like, okay, that's a fair point. So I had to go and sell this to my boss. And I went to my boss and said, look, Neil, um, we, I feel really cheeky asking you this, but I've been talking to the head of events. She says well, you should do a site visit to make sure the event space is what we what we need to do. Uh, but I think going to you know going to America and uh, going to Los Angeles just for one meeting is a bit bit overkill. So I want to you know meet up with Twitch while I'm over there and uh, meet up with Discord and um, some of our other people that we got over there. I was like, oh, that's fine, yes, no problem, off you go. So I went over there and I, I um, met up with um, Austin and Lord Kirk. So Austin shows Lord Kirk, so I'd known them for, for years. And they said, oh, I'll come down and meet you. And as they came down to Los Angeles, we spent a couple of days in Los Angeles together. And uh, at one moment, um, there we were, Lord Kirk bought his guitar, so uh, we're playing Red Hot Chili Peppers song, sitting on Venice Beach, uh, Lord Kirk singing along, me playing the guitar. That was a great moment. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah. That, was, that was that was pretty cool. So uh, yeah, that, that's that's probably it. I still remember that so well to this day. That's really really cool. Yeah, Lord Kirk is still around. Um, yeah, he's been around for ages. Was he around at like very very beginning of old school? Yeah, yeah, he was. He's I mean he's got old school tattoos on him as well. You know he's got RuneScape tattoos all over his all over his body. Legendary, he's a, he's a massive fan. But uh, yeah, super nice guy. Uh, love him to pieces and. Uh, yeah, I feel I haven't seen them in so much, so long. But the last time I saw them, I think I was having lunch over at my place, and I uh, invited them over for lunch because they were in the UK. 
do that's, something or other. That's cool. Uh, speaking of, you know, meetups, I mean, RuneFest is finally happening again after five yes, years. Yeah. Yeah, and I've booked the hotel already, so uh, that's fine. Very, very nice. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm holding on to a little bit of hope. Who knows? Maybe I can, maybe I can get an invite. I mean, I, th- I think my RuneFest ticket will be paid for, which is really, really nice. Yes. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think mine will. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, how much are they? Like a RuneFest ticket? Because I have no idea. I mean, they're only, I mean, I think last time about hundred quid. I think. Okay. That's not bad. Um, but I think they're doing a, a Insomnia this year. So how much is an Insomnia ticket? So it might be included in that. Insomnia is a game festival um, in the UK um, that they're doing at the NEC in Birmingham. Um, and this is the same weekend as that. So, you know, they're basically piggybacking off that, I would imagine. I'm um, so excited. I've, I've never been to a RuneFest. I've actually never even been to the UK, like, or just anywhere, <sighs> uh, anywhere uh, over the Atlantic. It's like, uh, it's like, it's like America, just a little bit different. <laughs> um, it's, I had to say when I first went to America I was like it's, it's just like the UK just a little bit different <laughs> just, just odd things here and there yeah I'm, um, I'm, I'm excited like uh, well, so what do you when okay so for you going to America what was like uh, you've probably been you know I don't know how many times but um, what, what is the thing that s- sticks out to you the most because then I'll just reverse engineer it and I'll, I'll think of what yeah. I'm to expect there so the the super big buildings and the food. What about so the food? food? Food is food is huge, yeah. um, huge portions of food, um, and uh, super big buildings. That's that's it. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, lights. So crossing the road. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's a little bit different. Cause you have the little white men, um, little white lights. Oh, yeah. Things going on there, <laughs> yeah. and we have uh, we we're a bit more blatantly red and green. Mm. Um, that's a bit weird. Uh, and um, turning right on a red, you can't do that in the UK. Uh, really? Why? Yeah, you can't turn right on a red. Because we're on the other side of the road, so you can't oh, turn oh, yeah. left on a oh, red yeah. either. Yeah. Um, but you can't turn left on a red. And um, so when um, the traffic stops flowing, I found it really disconcerting that as you're trying to cross a crossing um, uh, uh, junction in the US, cars are creeping around the corner. Yep, yep. It's... <laughs> and I'm like... You just don't get that in the UK at all. It's so bad in Las Vegas too. I mean, people in Las Vegas are—I mean, because that's where I was just at for TwitchCon, mm. and uh, yeah, you're, you're crossing the road. You're, you're going to get hit if you're not looking. Like, there's people that will just squeeze by you with no, you know. No. My best best moment in uh, well, the first time I went to the US, which then was uh, San Francisco, and we're walking back from somewhere I can't remember where, and uh, we cross the road at a crossing, and there's a, a lady crossing the crossing as well. Some car tries to creep past her, and she just stops, turns around, looks the guy dead in the eyes, extends her middle finger, and the <laughs> thickest sort of accent you've got is like, "Fuck you, asshole!" <laughs> We're like, "Yes, that is literally America. That's perfect." Any like really condensed city, people are angry, people are pissed off. And I had some Americans come over this year, in fact, and um, uh, so I'm driving them around, and uh, they said, "Don't you argue with anybody when you drive?" I was like, "No." I, you know, you, you thank people who wait for you when you, you know, they, they stop for you to go somewhere. You sort of thank them. If you make a mistake, you say, oh, I'm sorry. And everyone's like, oh, it's all right. And nobody argues with each other over here when you're driving. Everyone's polite and nice and uh, friendly. Um, it's bad yeah, over here. It's, it's, it's yeah. bad in America. No, I mean, even my older brother, like, uh, we were living together for several years and I started streaming. Yeah. And, um, I mean, he. it's just like as soon as he gets in the car, he's pissed <laughs> off. I mean, that, it's just kind of <laughs> like the, the culture with driving it's like you get in your car and you just start yelling at stuff just getting pissed off at everybody um, yeah so it's all about um 
uh, ownership, isn't it? And uh, this is my personal space, and you're invading it. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, literally. It's, it's, it's bizarre. But no, it's, it's just so friendly and uh, a lot nicer. It's a lot smaller roads as well. But anyway, you've got, you've got a whole treat. If you come over, um, yeah, you've got a whole treat of uh, of not being quite the same. And yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be great. I'm excited. I've heard, I've heard, I haven't heard the best things about the food. You seem to be a, a food connoisseur um, on Twitter, at least. I see you posting your meals, and some actually look <laughs> surprisingly delicious. So, but yeah, people, was... people say UK food's not great, though. Um, I mean, it depends. It's the same with every country. Some food's not good, some food is good. Uh, one of the great things about the UK is we're so multicultural that you can get food from any country in the world here. Um, I, for example, I, I love a curry. Um, and uh, you just don't get the same sort of curries over in the US where you can choose from 30 or 40 different types of curry. Mm. Um, uh, you can have, you know, Chinese menus are, you know, 120 items long, and, uh, you know, just so much, so much range of food. You can get French everywhere you go, Italian food anywhere you go. Um, basic British, you know, cooking, so um, what we call a greasy spoon, uh, which is a... Um, <laughs> A, a cafe which is um, has greasy spoons hence why it's called a greasy spoon uh, basically you can get your fried breakfast and uh, we went to one I was at my works um, Christmas party and we stayed overnight in a hotel went to a restaurant uh, not restaurant at all a greasy spoon in uh, for our breakfast it cost us four pound fifty um, which is what six dollars uh, and we got two sausages two rashes of bacon two eggs uh, black pudding, which you know you don't have over there, because I don't think you're allowed to have it in the US. What is uh, black pudding? It's um, pig's blood um, and awful <laughs> fried. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, would would Americans uh, say it's amazing? I need to know that. Would... Only ones that have tried it. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, uh, wow, six bucks, four pound fifty. Yeah, I know. And it's it's a full plate of food, and it will keep you going all day long. It's like this is amazing. Um, but it's you know it's it's good honest food and uh, I mean you also get stuff such as um, you know Sunday dinner so Sunday roast we have roast beef with the Yorkshire puddings and your uh, mm-hmm. roast potatoes and uh, vegetables and stuff which is you know but we basically eat very fatty food because you know it's a cold country yeah and you need to build up your uh, immunity um, for winter basically very cool yeah, I'm I'm really very excited to come I'm so glad it's uh, RuneFest being brought back what what year was your favorite RuneFest I'm imagining you've probably been to like every single one since you've been working there Ooh, the best one was I say 2017 might be because we had uh, let's see where that was 2017 or 2018 uh, sorry I'm videos now uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, one or the other, I can't remember which one. 2017 or 2018. It could have been 2018, in fact. Um, where uh, we, old school, were headlining the, the event. So it was the old school reveals was the last thing on, because that's what everybody went there to see. And um, uh, I sort of walked on stage along with uh, four other people uh, to do the reveals. And everyone's cheering as you walk onto the stage. And I was like, oh, I got this. I got this. And uh, I stood there and started waving my arms up, you know, pushing my arms up in the air. And everyone started cheering louder. And I was like, oh, the power over 1,600 people sat in an audience. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, but that was, that, that was quite spectacular. 
There's, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's been good things about all of it. I guess the one that probably sticks in my head the most, and the one that was probably most, um, that sort of showed me the importance of what we do, was uh, I was, it was at Tobacco Dock, so it would have been a very early one, maybe 2014. And um, I was uh, outside, it was late in the day, so it's probably about you know, six o'clock, everything was beginning to wind down a bit. Um, and uh, I went outside to sort of get a breath of fresh air and I uh, saw this young lad sitting outside on his own. And I was like, oh, he's looking a bit lonely. I'll just go and have a chat with him, make sure he's all right. And, you know, you could see his dad was sort of sitting in the distance, keeping an eye on him. So I sort of went over and said, hey, how you doing? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I was like, what have you enjoyed today? He's like, he told me what he enjoyed. I was like, what was the best bit? He was like, oh, I loved And he said, the best bit was meeting me. And I'm like, oh, my God. And oh, that sort wow. of really showed, I mean, this guy, kid was about 14 or so. And it sort of really showed the importance of who you've got to be um, to be a J-Mod, because it's not just a case of, you know, you go to work and do a job. People look up to you and people expect something from you. And, uh, you know, at that moment, I suddenly realised that, you know, whenever, um, even now, if, if I get spotted on the street, the whole, it's very important to me to make sure that person gets the best experience they can. It still happens now and then as well. Um, you know, people see me and want a selfie. And it's always got to make time for that to make sure that they have the experience, which is good, because there's nothing worse than meeting somebody that um you look up to God, yeah I, I, it's, it's very difficult for me to sort of say nice things about myself like that but you know look up to and and um and um you know have a bad experience from it it's like you know you should feel as if you've had a good experience from that the last time in fact was in july i think no it was in august no it wasn't <laughs> it's was in october <laughs> I was, um, I'd just been for a long weekend in uh, Berlin and I was standing in the airport. My wife had gone to the loo and I was standing there with a the, with the bag and a chap came over to me and he's like, Matt, 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 can I just have a selfie, please? It's <laughs> like, wow, even in, a, even in an airport. That is so uh, cool. It's, uh, it's, it was quite, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that felt good, that did. And my yeah. wife's in the toilet, so she didn't believe me. I'm like, <laughs> It's good to recognize that, I think, yeah. uh, just understanding, like, people do have a certain, like, um, image, sort of, of, of people that they've seen and, and haven't met, so it's it's good to put on, like, your best your best face for that. So. Yeah, absolutely. But the funniest one was, um, I was um, a, I don't know if you know him, a guy called Bill Bailey, he's a comedian in the mm -hmm. UK. No. We're at, we're at a Bill Bailey gig, me and my wife were, and uh, we're leaving, we're leaving the uh, auditorium, and there's a whole massive queue of... Uh, people to get out and just to sort of walk in uh, walking along I hear uh, somebody go is that Matt Kay and I was like oh here we go put on the game face turn around it's Paul Gower oh <laughs> wow Paul Gower recognised me I was like yes wow <laughs> so that was quite cool so you actually worked um, with the Gowers initially because you'd, you'd been working there for yeah so I I mean 2005 I worked closely with Ian Okay. Um, I didn't particularly work with Andrew or Paul. Hmm. In fact, my first introduction to Paul was it was on my first day. Um, and when I joined, um, there was a staff high scores, you know, high scores of all the staff uh, normal accounts on there. And uh, when I joined, I was third and Paul Gower was first. And um, he sort of came up to me and goes, oh, well, you're, you're Matt, aren't you? I'm like, yes, that's right. He's like, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm Paul Gower. I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. Um, <laughs> And uh, he, he said, oh, I see you're uh, really high up in the high schools, a bit of training, you could be top. And, and uh, so I took that obviously as a challenge, and two weeks later I was top, and uh, he never spoke to me again. <laughs> <laughs> Only took two weeks, that's awesome. <laughs> 
I don't think, to be fair, I don't think the two things were linked. I think uh, we just, our paths just never crossed. I see, I see. Uh, uh, it's much funnier if I tell it that way. Yeah. Um, the ga- I mean, the Gowers, though, I mean, especially Andrew, you just see him, just seems like the most humble guy ever. Just... Yeah, I mean, I I spend a lot of time with him. I must admit, he. Um, I remember one story about him is he turned up for work in a Ferrari once, and then got told by his entire team that that was a bit pretentious and he should probably not do that. Uh, next day, he turns up in a uh, Ford Fiesta. Oh man, he was just trying to live the high life. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I got shut down. That um, is so funny. But uh, but yeah, it was. Uh... It was uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I never never sort of really spoke to uh, Paul or Andrew. Um, mm-hmm. Only really when we did the um, uh, special events, you know, the ten years of RuneScape or fifteen years of RuneScape and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the only time I really ever spoke to them, and not not for long. Now Ash, he's he obviously he's known them for years, and uh, he's very close, and goes goes for dinner with Andrew. I think every Sunday or something. Wow. Um, uh, or maybe it's Paul. I don't know. Yeah. One of them. He used to. He might not done since COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, he knew them very well. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I just I just see like because I remember watching that uh, what was it like the 15 year video mm. of RuneScape and j- I just seeing you know Andrew kind of like you know giving over the game um, and you could kind of see the a little bit of regret. I mean, mm. he, he definitely like. He, it was so much like such a big responsibility to keep running the game, but like losing all control over it in a sense is just kind of like, yeah, kind of depressing. Yeah, I think it's not necessarily about running the game; it's about running the business. I think it's the same thing. The problem that I had, you know, I loved the game, loved the people I worked with, loved the community, didn't like Jagex, and I think mm. that's what ended up with Andrew as well. You know, he loved the game, and if he could have just run the game. Um, I think he'd have been happy, but he couldn't. He had to run the business as well. Yep. And uh, that's 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 a whole different way of thinking. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the conversations were when he left, but um, I can imagine he probably does regret it. And uh, and um, yeah, is what it is. Yeah, it's just it's just tough because you don't really know what you have till it's gone. I mean, I'm assuming yeah. he knew what he had, but like just knowing how much. Of the like you said, the business side of things you have to deal with now is just—it's yeah. it, not the game that you originally created anymore. It's—it's it's a huge multi-million-dollar business now. Absolutely. What's really interesting though is uh, Andrew Gower put out a tweet just before Christmas saying that he's going to be making an announcement about his new game in the new year. So everybody needs to follow him on Twitter. Yeah, I've actually um, been following that. Um, do you think it's going to be anything like RuneScape at all? I'm, I'm not like super no involved idea. in what's happening, but I have no idea. I mean, would you want to remake something you've made in the past? I don't think Andrew's that sort of person. That's true. I think he'd want to do something new, yeah. um, not not redo an old thing. But who knows? He still loves you know the, the elements of RuneScape mm-hmm. are still things that he loves. You know, it, it's it's that. Um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons esque type of adventure that you go on, um, which is what RuneScape's all about. Um, creating yourself as the hero and, you know, basically dice rolls at different um, things that you can do. And it's just Dungeons and Dragons in a game with a different name on it. In your opinion, do you think RuneScape would have gotten as popular if it didn't drop around the time period it did? Um, you couldn't release it now and be successful. I mean, releasing RuneScape 3 now. Um, would would never succeed anywhere. Um, and again, old school has a charm, 
but the majority of that charm's driven by people's memories. Um, and if those memories didn't exist, people wouldn't play it. Um, I, I mean, if it, I don't think it would, either would succeed now if they were released now. That's so crazy but, to think. Yeah, it's just lucky. It's, that's all it was, you know, at the time. It was what, 1998, the first version was um, conceived and uh, worked upon, and then, what, 99, uh, it was released. 2001, it went members, I think. I could be getting the dates wrong. Um, and then uh, uh, it all blew up from there. So crazy. Now it's a billion dollar valuation on a business. Is that nuts? <laughs> Crap. That is oh, so man. nuts. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. Crazy. All right. Let's uh I'm looking at these Twitter talk. Okay, here's a here's a quick one. Cats or dogs? This is why Ace asking. Well, I've got both. I've got cats and dogs. Okay. Um well, it's gotta be cats because I, I don't like taking a dog for a walk, cleaning up the dog shit, barking. <laughs> oh fucking hell. So my wife said, oh, we should get a dog. I'm like, okay, I'll get a dog. Uh, I'd never had dogs before, so we started doing it from um, uh, blind dogs, or deaf, not blind dogs, dogs for dogs for deaf people. Um, and we started working with some of the charities there and basically bringing up their dogs. So you get a puppy, and then you have to socialise it and uh, and do training with it, and then it goes off and becomes a um, hearing dog. Mm. So we did that a few times because I'd never had a dog before, and it was basically it was a free dog, and uh, you got support and taught how to look after dogs properly. So we did that for a few years. Then we got the dog we've got now, and uh, you know my wife was like, "Yeah, well, we'll, we'll I'll walk it and you know clean up the dog poo and you know do all the stuff." And no, she bloody don't. I walk <laughs> it every day. But, yeah, cats. Cats are easy. Cats just sit on you and eat. Yeah, yeah. They just they're super independent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um. All right, Zuvi asks, Zaya release. What did mm -hmm. the team think of it at the time? Can we just have a, like a send send back a time capsule, open it up? And s what what was your thoughts around that time? Um. Uh, so it was our first big piece of content. We never made anything like that before. We didn't know how to make it, and I think it showed in the end. Uh, interesting thing about it was that um, I did the original mapping for it. So I mapped it all out on squared paper and then gave it to um, uh, Ghost to do the mapping in game, and, and that's what he did. And um, when I was uh, <laughs> sort of look back on it, it's like, well, it was clearly too big. And then I sort of look at it, why it was too big is because I got the scale wrong on the square bits of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's twice as big as it should have been. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. like, fuck. I mean, it's, it's it's terrible because you know at least I should have logged in to have a look around it before it went out for release and uh, it said, oh, actually, it's a bit too big. Uh, we need to make it smaller. But um, clearly, by the time I saw it, it was too late for that. Um, and yeah, so we made it twice as big as it should have been. <laughs> but but um, yeah, I mean, it was it had a fair bit of criticism on release uh, about the scale of it, the size of it, too much running around, not enough content, which is all fine. But I think you know you look at what it's turned into now. Um, it feels good. It looks good. There's plenty of content kicking around. There's space for more content. Yeah. But the most important thing, and the reason we did it, was it allowed us to tell our stories um, without impacting on um, RuneScape. Yep. Because one of the big things is, is, is a contentious matter at the time, and I always had a very strict view on it, um, was can we do something that doesn't make sense for RuneScape? And I'm like, look, everything's got to make sense in the RuneScape world. Um, there's key things we shouldn't change. We can tell stories in different ways, but we can't you know, suddenly do something which does not make sense. 
just because we're a different game, we've got to sort of respect RuneScape as a whole. Um, so, for example, we couldn't um, kill off Zamorak instead of Guthix, for example, if uh, we decided to do that. Um, but we could tell the story in a different way. Um, and uh, that's the, it's almost like the canon parts of the law had to remain the same. And uh, by having a new continent, a whole new different way of putting in new content into something which had this magic dark altar rhetoric, which could be linked to anything in any number of ways, and we didn't really need to answer that question. We could just make up shit and do what we wanted. Um, and that's what that, con that continent allowed us to do. We could tell any story we wanted without worrying about treading over um, uh, RuneScape because, oh, the dark altar yep. does that. Dark altar magic allows this thing to happen. Job done. <laughs> End of story. No more questions. Yeah, exactly. What uh, did you play a part in uh, raids one? Uh, yeah, so I did the high level design for raids one. Okay. Um, I, I basically stole most of the design from a game called Star Wars Galaxies, uh, and um, uh, there was a series of bosses. So what I did was I sort of like created um, right. This is how I see it working. It's going to be underground, therefore we're going to grab uh, lots of caverns, lots of um, uh, moss and seaweed and things growing on the walls and um, you have all these creatures in there. So I created all these sort of mood documents for you know, how it would look. Uh, I came found uh, a creature called an Olm. Um, I thought that would be quite cool if we just made it super big and turned that into the boss. So I took some pictures of this Olm and, uh, and put them in the mood board and said this the boss should look something like this. And then we had the great Olm, so that worked quite nicely. Um, and then I put a list of mechanics that we could use. These are all the mechanics that I've stolen from this um, this, this game, Star Wars Galaxies. There's a series of raids called... Um, oh, I can't remember what they were called now. Uh, epic raids or legendary raids or something. And uh, they just had the, the, all the bosses in it just had great mechanics. So I was like, oh, I was going to steal all these. So I just listed all these mechanics and a load of them got into the game. So uh, that was that was quite cool when the guys actually did the, the low-level design. Um one of the interesting things about it as well is there was a desire to make sure that nobody could complete it solo. Uh, and um, it's not a desire I shared. I was like, you know what? At some point in the future, people are going to be able to solo this. Just because we haven't designed it this way, um, we've got to accept that you know things will come into game and allow people to create uh, you know, better items and therefore you know we'll be able to do more stuff. Um, but they wanted to put in, I can't remember who it was, wanted to put in an artificial way of forcing two people into uh, into the area, kind of like the entrance to the Dagonoth Kings, mm. where you've got to have two people stand on those things. I was like, no, 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 we can't do that. It's like, you know, if, if people are good enough to solo this, then we should let them do it without having some god-awful, you know, have five people stand on five different buttons to unlock a door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, uh, you know, people will complain about we'll end up removing anyway, so... So, so yeah, so that, was, that was quite good. Is you know, the first raids was um, really quite terrifying because uh, you know we didn't know how it was going to be received, whether people would play it, whether it would, people would continue playing it, and the fact you still see people playing it today um, is quite amazing. In fact, I did it the first time on a couple of days ago uh, on leagues, uh, soloed it, um, which was which was quite cool. That's so, awesome. Uh, that felt good. Um, I mean, I had a stack of like a thousand sharks that I managed to burn <laughs> on my way through, but you didn't need to share that part. You just say you sold yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cut that bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, 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 you know what's really cool is like um, I even ran uh, like a little survey on my stream, just you know asking people because I'm always curious, and I, I've seen other mm. people run the same surveys of like what's your favorite raid, 
And yeah. it's actually very surprising how equal they all kind of get. They all kind of share around the 30% range of all three. And oh, that's cool. Having Chambers have like that's been out for, you know, almost seven years at this point. That's actually, I guess, seven years because didn't it come out in uh, January 20? No, no, it was 2018, right? It was, oh, I don't know when it was. Yeah, you could well be right. Uh, yeah, it was like six years then. Yeah. But knowing that it's still really, really popular and, um, you know, they've made great changes to it. It's still fundamentally the same, but it's a, it's an amazing raid. I had an absolute blast grinding it on my Iron yeah. Man. Fantastic. Fantastic. So. Now, if people are enjoying it, that's the key thing. And to make a piece of content, I, I look at value of what old school brings, right? Mm-hmm. You look at um, the content in there and the replayability of it, and you sort of compare it to prices of other things. I mean, it's what, $10 now for a month's membership, is it? Or is it more? $13? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, uh, um, I don't know. I don't pay for my own membership. I just. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah, old school pays for it now. Yeah, that's good. The, um, but yeah, the, uh, you know, the, I mean, I'm still on the £3.20. Uh, a month um pay rate Damn. so uh so so for the price of that and the amount of hours you can get out of it i mean it's it's crazy when I mean, you go to a pub with uh, 15 dollars in your pocket you ain't not that you got pubs over there go to a bar with 15 dollars in your pocket mm-hmm. um you're getting a couple of drinks and that's it yep. um 15 for a month's worth of all the content that you could play you know the hundreds of hours that you could sink into the game is is just such good value Oh, yeah. value. And and I, and I was saying this earlier, like the the best form of microtransaction is bonds, because there mm. are so so many players that have not paid a dime to play this game, and they've put in. I mean, they've sunk in tens of thousands of hours without paying Absolutely. anything, which is just insane. Now bonds came about because um, well, we were doing free to play uh, back in February of twenty. 15 i think 14 um and we did a whole bunch of modeling off the back of that um to try and figure out what would happen if we weren't free to play and we figured the only way to actually have um free to play last a long time um was to introduce bonds at the same time and i had to do we did uh, we polled it to players and players players agreed to have it which was great and i did a live stream um where uh, i basically pitched you know what was likely to happen if we had bonds in, if we didn't have bonds in uh, if we were free to play, if we didn't go free to play, um, uh, as I explained, players, this is what our thinking was, and went into the detail of all the, uh, all the, uh, all, all the things behind it and all the maths behind it. And uh, I mean, fortunately, it passed, which I was quite pleased about. But that that live stream in itself was probably worth hundreds of millions of dollars because had it not worked and had uh, it failed, then um, uh, yeah, and Bond's not gone into game. I don't think the game would exist right now. Wow. That's crazy to think. Yeah, I should have been more nervous than I was. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back at it, that is crazy. Yeah, do you, so crazy. really, like you actually don't think the game would have been around? And, no, no, no it, I think wow. um, you know part of part of this game is um, is very much um, how can I do something for free, and this is what Bonds allows you to do. Uh, and there is no matter how much we you know people will wish there isn't there is a huge real world trading element to the game yep and costs are lowered if you can pay for membership with bonds uh for these uh real world trading companies that that drive through the game um and that's just you know it is part and parcel of where we live and it's, yeah. it's part and parcel of you know how the game survives now 
Yeah, no, and like I said, I think it's like the best form of microtransactions. It's it's such a cool way to mm. have it benefit real players as well. Like p- people can literally not pay a dime to play this game, which is just amazing. Exactly, exactly, and it's and it's it's an idea we stole from. Um, God damn, what game was it? Um, CCP's game, Eve Online. Mm. Um, they had the Plex system, which is exactly this, and uh, we'd, we'd worked quite closely with CCP on a number of projects. And uh, when it first came into RuneScape, it was like, well, I'll just steal their idea. So that's that's what happened. And you know, it's it's uh, it's more beneficial for you to pay for the membership with bonds for Jagex than it is through uh, normal payments. That's so cool. Um, um, and you know, so they want you to pay with bonds. Um, yeah, it's, it's a win-win for everybody, really. Yeah, literally. And I mean, I I had um, Crum. He, he was an old uh, OSRS creator. He mm. was he was talking about just the benefits of bonds. I mean, just a way to legally, you know, in in the game rules, purchase gold if you want to. I mean, yeah, it, absolutely. There, there's so many positives to that that don't lead to malicious activity happening in the game. So, yeah, uh, indeed, and you know, it's. It's interesting because um, one of the things that I speak about on my streams, and uh, it's, it's just sort of thought I've had over the years since leaving Jagex, is you know why is real world trading against the rules? Um, maybe it's a question for you. You know why why is real world trading against the rules? It's a good question. It's it's uh, yeah. What what well, what do you have to say about it? It's not an easy question, is it? So, I mean, there's, there's several reasons I can think of. One reason is it stops people from buying their way to success, but that happens anyway. So you could do that through legitimate means with bonds or illegitimate means with uh, uh, using gold farmers and that sort of thing. So that mm-hmm. happens no matter what. So that's not really a, a particularly big argument. Um, another reason could be that um, it allows Jagex to protect their uh, intellectual property. So if something's against the game rules, um, they can always maintain that you're not allowed to do that. Uh, we're going to sue you for using our intellectual property um, illegally. But that doesn't seem to be happening. They don't seem to be suing anybody for or any of these real-world trading sites for doing this sort of stuff. Um, so that doesn't seem to be a real reason. Um, and I can't think of anything else than those two. So it's like, what, so why is real-world trading even against the rules? Why not? Because I mean, you can't always hear about people being banned for real-world trading. Um, unfairly and getting unbanned again so why don't you just make it so it's not against the rules it is interesting because um you know if it was fully legal to do in the game rules um i mean first of all it's already happening in great number Mm. already yeah and and i think i think one of the things is like it's creating incentive for mass bot farms and you know gold farming and stuff which you know, you've already stated your kind of stance on that. Like we, we've talked mm. about, you know, what really is the big deal about that? Now, I yeah. have my own thoughts on that, but. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, the bot farming course, yeah. Everybody would have yeah. their own opinion. But, but at, at the, the same the time, day, if it was legal, like that would still be, it's, I mean, it's already happening when it's illegal. So if it was mm. legal, like what, what really would change? Would it just increase it? I like, I don't even know. And if, if I were Jagex, um, well, if I were to go back to Jagex, I've got no plans to do at all. Um, but one of the things I would pitch would be, why don't we create a safe space for people to trade gold with each other for real money and then just take a percentage off the top of that? That way, people can securely trade gold. Jagex can make money out of it. Individuals can make money out of it. 
um, everyone's happy. You know, there there is an argument. I, I mean, like I said, I talk about this in my streams occasionally, and uh, Wacko, uh, one of my one of my regular viewers, he uh, he says, well, it's going to increase bots, and I think he's got a point. You know, more bots will go into game if you do that, so you're going to have to defend against them somehow and make sure that the community is all right with what's happening there. But at the end of the day, it's the way Jaggets can make more money. It's the way that you can make more money. I can make more money. Anybody playing the game can make more money if they want to do it. Um, why not do that? Interesting. Yeah, it would it definitely, it, it feels like you'd really have to see every single negative effect that that would cause. But mm. yeah, you're right. I mean, if it, the people are real world trading already anyway. So like, you just wonder if it was like a legal safe way where everyone's kind of benefiting and you know the game's profiting a little bit as well that would be it's interesting yeah. it's definitely interesting i mean if jackets were to do that i reckon they could triple their revenue in a year that much money they could they could get from it that's be crazy. huge be huge okay uh here's a completely different topic from chaps asking favorite festive beverage I have to say that it is a glass of sherry on Christmas morning. Very nice. Don't drink it any other time of the year. I've had a bottle for about six years now. <laughs> I have one glass on Christmas morning and that's it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay, here's a, one question from Maze. He's asking, do you feel the polling system in-game is working as you originally envisioned, or do you think it no longer serves its purpose? Oh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, the polling system? Um, I think when it first came out, it was needed. Um, it was needed to grow trust in Jagex, certainly. Um, and over time, um, that trust has grown and grown and grown. Um, but is it... Is it does, is it making good content? I mean, I did a tweet um, end of last year, and basically I looked at how many things have actually failed a poll. And I can't remember the exact number, but it's kind of like six questions have failed a poll in the last uh, 12 months. Of those, <laughs> four of those questions were PvP related. Everything else has passed. It's like 180 questions or something um, has passed. It's like polls are ineffective. You know, they're not... They're not stopping things from happening. Everyone's voting yes for everything. Yeah. Um, the odd thing crops up now and then. Um, or it could be that Jagex are so good at only polling safe stuff, and this is the more worrying side of it, they're so good at only polling safe stuff that um, everything passes. And the reason that worries me is it boils down to this thing we talked about a little while ago about um, innovation outside the Jagex bubble. Is there, Are they afraid to poll stuff which... Um, is you know revolutionary, new, and different. Mm -hmm. um, in which case, you know, uh, it will fail a poll. It will never get going into games. So, but this, you know, if we had not have done that from the beginning, um, you'd have had no dead man mode. You'd have had no um, uh, leagues. You would not have had um, a new continent. You know, being afraid to do something yep. um, is is stopping them from doing some really cool stuff they could do, uh, and that's. That, that's the bit that worries me the most. And this is what I think polls are getting in the way of. I mean, yeah, it's a great metric to say, hey, yeah, we, we passed 99.8% you know, of uh, poll questions. Aren't we good? It's like, well, it's probably not asking particularly good stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I think 
my sentiment on the polling system is just it's nice having it it doesn't feel like it's really bottlenecking anything like you i mean i actually do agree with you that maybe it's lacking innovation it's kind of like deters mm-hmm. that but um it, it's kind of nice for show almost like it's like a yeah. it's like a barrier just a, a light barrier that can maybe help prevent something horrible from coming into the game but to be honest i like i feel like most of the community trusts the team to make sensible updates so yeah and i think so i think so too it's you know if um if for example they wanted to do something really bad if they wanted to put mtx into the game they would never poll it uh, and if they wanted to poll it and i've sat in meetings where senior people have suggested this that they fake the polls uh, it's not <laughs> happened as far as i'm aware but um uh yeah So you're saying those conspiracies actually might have a little bit of truth to it? Well, there's certainly been suggested in some of the meetings I sat in from uh, very senior people in the company. Holy Um, shit. uh, But on my watch, nothing was ever faked. So uh, um, I assume it hasn't since. Um, I I did hear rumor that they reduced the uh, um, polling uh, criteria so that um, uh, sailing would pass. Yeah, I mean that was the threshold was reduced to seventy, and I think it passed hmm. like a seventy-three percent. So if it hadn't been reduced, it wouldn't have. Fa- I mean, the, the thing is, is like, even if it had failed, like it would have just been pulled again at some later date. And it, I feel like no matter what the team wants, say, they want a new skill to come to the game. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, indeed. I think the team has yeah. enough analytics just to see that this would be a huge revenue boost to the game and everything. So. Yeah, I mean, skills always have been a good a good revenue boost, um, certainly in the short term, um, not necessarily in the long term. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. Not that we we'll ever find out, but it'll be interesting to see what will happen with that uh, with this. And it's a, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I if if it were me, I would can the polling system and make no bones about it and say, look, guys, it just doesn't do the job anymore. Stops us from bringing good content. Stops us from actually making content that surprises surprises and delights you because you know everything that's coming um and now we can actually do some pvp shit that you're not going to vote down and actually sort out pvp um we're going to do some stuff for iron men that's not going to get voted down although iron men probably doesn't get voted down anymore we can do some some content that isn't popular but is needed to strengthen the niche communities within the game see i think this would be cool is if they pulled a question and the question is should we create an unpolled update? So, so, so you literally poll just just to have a singular big update that comes out where yeah. it's complete surprises. But you're you're polling it just to see if people actually want that because I think vast majority of the community would actually be interested in that because I think, like you said, I think we do lack that surprise. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. I'd quite like to see them do that. See what would happen. Yeah, but I mean, again, one of the big things of polling that I think was a mistake was. Um, uh, was hiding the poll results. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was a mistake or not. Originally, I was against it because I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, my worry was we hide the poll results and suddenly nothing passes a poll. What happens then? Um, but it's gone the opposite way, which is hide the poll results and everything passes a poll now, <laughs> which is you know just as bad. It's like... <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, but, you know, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, DKU asks, what is the biggest difference between working on RuneScape in 2005 
and OSRS? I would say it is being able to do the right thing. So back in 2005, um, uh, and, you know, sort of early days, it was very controlled. Um, there was an awful lot of process going. So the way companies sort of work, when a company gets successful and they suddenly realise they've got something they can lose, that's when controls come into a company, and that's what was happening in 2005. Um, things were coming in which is like, right, you can't do this, you have to do like this, this is the process, this is the procedure. It gets heavier and heavier and heavier until you, you're left with no way to think because you have to be controlled no matter what you did. Um, and that's what it was like in 2005. But when Old School came out, uh, you know, the gloves were off. We could do whatever we wanted, and we did whatever we wanted. We did what we felt was best for the game, and we were trusted to do that. Um, and that's basically what happened for the next two, three years is, is you know, we just did what we felt was the best thing for the game with what we had. And uh, that's what worked. And um, that's probably the biggest difference. But 05, I mean, <laughs> early, early 2000s, we had... Um, I'll show you how bad it got. We had uh, our work was regularly checked by um, uh, a performance team, and um, you uh, you started off with a hundred percent in all the things that you had to do. You know your speed, your accuracy, and each mistake um, you got marked down on. So you end up going to a meetings where they're saying you spelt a word wrong, therefore I'm marking you down for spelling a word wrong. And uh, you would lose money off the back of it oh, because it God. would hit your bonuses. <laughs> That's how bad it got. It was like horrendous. Awful. Yeah, that's was, not that fun. Was, that uh, that definitely limits freedom and just limits your crea yeah. creativity. I'd imagine. But yes, I don't think it's like that at all now, which is good. good. <laughs> it, was, it was horrendous. That was. Okay, uh, Stigali asks if you could give a younger you one piece of advice for the community manager role, what would it be? Ah, oh, dear, piece of advice. Um, I would say, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Do what you think's best. If it turns out to be wrong, don't worry about it. I think there was just, it, it's hard, it would probably be hard to take the advice knowing, I mean, I guess, you know, just you, you know, just bringing up different moments where there's so much mm. writing on, you know, this, this Q&A, for example, and things like that. It feels like a mistake could be severe. Oh, indeed, yeah. But at the end of the day, you don't, you don't get better if you don't That's make true. mistakes and you don't, the game would never have got you know, better if we had not made all the mistakes that we made over the years. And actually, the one piece of advice I gave to everybody who started the team um, was one of the things that happens as a JMod is when you join, especially if you're a player, you suddenly get this huge amount of power. You're able, you know, you're, you're in a powerful position that you've never been in before. And everybody would do something stupid. Um, they would either be an arse or publicly say something they shouldn't, or uh, uh, in some cases send pictures of their knob to uh, players. Um, but everybody would do something stupid. And uh, I said, anybody who joined the old school team, I said, look, this is where you are. This is what's going to happen. You've got all this power. You're going to say something, do something stupid. Uh, when you do that, tell me, and then we can sort it out. If you don't tell me, that's when we've got a problem. And that's the bit of advice I gave everybody who joined the team. And some of them did some stupid stuff, and some of them didn't. Um, it was, you know, it was uh, fascinating watching the same things happen all the time. 
What what was the like the biggest? Hmm, I'm just trying to think. Like, what was like the biggest drama you would say? I mean, I'm already thinking one name in particular, but like, what <laughs> what, what what was like the that most hectic time in your uh, old school time there? Most hectic times were always dead man finales when something went wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I gotta say, every single dead man finale on Twitch, they were highly entertaining. I know it was probably yeah. as stressful as fuck for all of you, but like, oh my gosh, it's so good. I did, yeah. I mean, I was I was the only one who was able to pull it and say, right now we stop. And uh, <laughs> you know, I was uh, to me, I was sort of the everyone did their job. Yeah, that's fine. And when it all worked fine, I had nothing to do. Um, but none of them ever went fine, ever. I don't think I had one where it was just, it was okay. It, 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 everything went fine. But no, I had I had a, um, we found out quite early on, decision-making under that much pressure is incredibly difficult. So we, um, uh, we, offline, we decided to sit down and write the solutions for all the problems that we'd seen and we were likely to get. So we sat down with the community team and I mean the community team sat down and was like, right, okay, what happens in this situation? What happens in this situation? We wrote it all out beforehand. So I, I always at these uh, Dead Man events just walking around with a binder with me and it had there all the emergency procedures to oh, go through. No. Anything went wrong. And um, uh, it, it, I mean, it came in really, really useful because at some point um, people, you know, the entire team were clamoring saying, we should cancel this. We should stop this now. It's gone so badly. We should stop this. And I'm sort of sitting there with this binder going, no. We don't. This is the next thing we do. This is the next thing we do. Um, because it was so easy. It's, and the, these points, it's just so easy to fail. Um, it's easier to fail than it is to succeed. And to me, success is always we get to the end. No matter what the cost is, no matter how it goes, we get a winner at the end. So we know it's done. If you think about a football game as well, it's very, very rare that a football game uh, or any sports game is um, stopped early. They always get to the end no matter what happens. Yep, yep. And this was the same thing. It was, you know, we get to the end of it, we get to the end of it, we always get to the end of it. That is what we're trying to do here. Oh, man. And um, it was, it was, oh, this was stressful, stressful days. <laughs> By like um, the fifth one, you're just like, oh, no. Like you're just already anticipating everything yeah, going on. Yeah, what's, what's it going to be this time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, always positive. I was always like, this is going to be the one that's going to be fine. <laughs> what were the, um, now that you're like, oh, you know, not, not working at Jagex, who were like the, um, I guess J mods that were the most uh, mischievous. Um, <laughs> John C was hilarious. Um, he liked to play pranks on people. <laughs> um, one uh, April Fool's Day, he decided that he would print off on the printer some signs and attach them to the vending machines. And it said, the sign said, these vending machines are now voice operated. Please insert your money and speak the uh, selection, and your item will be vended. Everybody sort of walked up to him, looked at him, and went, "No, that's funny." Nobody believed him, except you know, until halfway through the day, where you just hear across the office, "A one, A one, A one, you fucking piece of shit!" Followed by a bang and a loud smash, and the alarm going off. And somebody punched the front of one of the vending machines, broke the glass, and set the alarm. Off. Oh my god. Uh, who was it? Was, Dude, are we allowed to say? I don't know. I don't know who it was. <laughs> but he really wanted his chocolate bar. That is awesome. That is Science awesome. came down straight away after that. <laughs> who were your favorite yeah. J mods that you got to work with? Uh, I, I, I don't think I had favorites. I mean, there's there's so many that I I absolutely loved, and you know, 
wonderful people to work with. It's, you know, I, 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 I feel good about all of them. I mean, that's good. I mean, the people that were closest to me were the people who were on the old school team at the very beginning. So obviously that would be people like Ash, uh, Weath, uh, John C, um, uh, Kieran, they're the sort of, you know, the, the old, old people yeah. that joined the team, I think, were probably the people that were closest to me. Um, but it was, you know, it was a, yeah, I don't, I mean, maybe it's just me, I just get on with everybody, but um, there's nobody there that I, that, yeah, they're, they're all my favourites. That's cool. Is that very diplomatic? Now that works, that, yeah, that's, that's a good answer. Um, Oh, here's okay. So I actually have an extension on this question, but Rue, this is going back to the bots. Why, why won't Jagex deal with bots? They seem to outnumber players five to mm. one. And he's, well, we've already kind of talked about this, so we don't mm. need to go super into it. But he, he's uh, his final thing is like, is this intentional blindness for extra revenue, or are they just not equipped to keep up with the pace bots are being created? I also want to just add something mm. to this. Do yeah. you know? Like, do you have any idea how, like, like the ratio of players to bots is in the game? Yeah, so, I mean, that number's not a, a, a definite number. I mean, when I was there, it was between 5 and 10%, um, which a lot of people don't believe. I think bots are a lot more visible um, to people who are looking for them. Like I said, I play the game and never see them, but then I don't pay attention to them. So, mm -hmm. um, the uh, the... Right now... Um, Jagex are being sold. Um, uh, the parent company is looking for buyers for them. Therefore, the uh, revenue is super important, so they're not going to do anything to impact that. Um, the, uh, so I could believe there's a deliberate, we're not going to ban too many people type of thing. Yeah. Um, I believe there's a lack of experience and... Um, uh, staffing in the anti-cheat team as well um i don't think it's particularly well dealt with looking at how the game is um seems sort of haphazard and and the amount of people who are being banned incorrectly is, is horrendous i mean I, i'm always a bit dubious when people say this but you know i've had i've had multiple people that uh, uh, that have come to me ask for help and they get themselves unbanned it's like this is this is not right so yeah, I just uh, I think that maybe they're relying too much on automation. The automation isn't working properly. Mm. Don't know, I don't know. But it's a, a story from when I was there. Uh, this will get me into trouble as well, but hey, I don't care. <laughs> the um, he uh, I was sat in a meeting with um, the head of the department that's responsible for anti-cheating, uh, and I said, "Hey, can we get more support for bots on old school?" And he said, no, you can't have any more support. You should make the game so it can't be botted. I was like, ah, okay then. Wow. <laughs> He's still there as well, the guy is. So, uh, That's not good. Yeah. That's not good to hear. <laughs> I was thinking, it's one of those moments. Where I don't, it's not often that you know, I, um, I, uh, I, I'm lost for words, but that was one of them. Yeah, that's not that's not giving me too much hope. But uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I mean that makes sense. I've I've heard that as well. Like the company is being sold, so there is definitely an incentive to keep as many players or yeah. bots playing. 
Yeah, I mean, revenue is going to be a big thing that they care about. You look at the val- how valuations work in um, companies. They basically they they between five and seven x the revenue of a company. Uh, I think last year it made about 174 million. So the valuation to that is uh, you know <laughs> hundreds of millions, if not billions of pounds. That's crazy. Um, and uh, I know it's, it's it's a completely different world, isn't it? Um, and uh, they will uh, they will want to, that to uh, maintain. They will, but yeah, they want to make sure they get as close to that billion as they can. I think they're currently sitting at eight hundred million offers have gone in. Man, to read that's an article. so nuts for RuneScape. Yeah. What what pulls the most? Is it old school or RuneScape? Um, I don't know. I think I reckon it's around fifty fifty split revenue wise. Okay. I think that's, that probably makes sense. That's fascinating. But um, yeah, I think um, RuneScape is um, holds its own. Um, okay, Bon X is asking, Mister K, what is the community event or project in general that you wish had had come to light when working with Jagex? So I would have liked to. Um, so is it community? It's not really a community event, is it? Um, hmm. You were there for a lot of those really cool community events. I, yeah, I mean, obviously, COVID did, happened, but yeah, I did. I did most of the community events that I wanted to do. Um, one thing I, I I wanted to do more of um, was live quests. So I used to look after the um, high level uh, forums um, back when there was you know three four hundred high level players. And uh, one of the things I did to them was I, I did for them. I did uh, a live quest where basically I used characters in game um, or just normal accounts in game to act as the NPCs, and then created a, a, a storyline. And you could go talk and have conversations with the NPCs because I'd be on the other end typing the answers and that sort of thing. Uh, and I did that for um, the players. I'd love to have taken that to a bigger audience. I'm not sure how I could have done it, but um, having proper conversations with you know, NPCs in order to complete a quest and get a little reward at the end of it um, would have been quite a cool thing to do. You have actors playing the uh, parts of the NPCs all day long. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be one hell of a typing lesson, wouldn't it? For real, for real. <laughs> but as long as it's the same, well, I guess it wouldn't be the same, like, uh, prompt. It'd be different yeah, because it's dude, live, right? To, you'd have to think on your feet a bit, live the yeah. character's life. Yeah. Well, that would have been quite cool to do. Proper, proper life, uh, live acting events. That would have been quite cool. What did you think? Okay, so this is kind of going back a little bit around the time of GE release. Um, I want to talk specifically about like Nightmare Zone and Zora because mm-hmm. Nightmare Zone seemed to be a pretty big deal. What, so at least in the players' minds, it seemed like you guys on the team knew what Nightmare Zone was doing. It was creating a, a way to just get your combat up was was there like a real big incentive to keep that in the game as long as possible um it was a deliberate decision i made that decision that you know i didn't want to get rid of it because that's what people were using it for um and at the end of the day we were in a position back then because nightmare zone was the first piece of content new content we could do um because we could do it all in code rather because we didn't have any tools so it came Mm. before um what do we call it um god wars but it was a deliberate decision at the time because it's like you know we're hemorrhaging players 
Uh, we've got to do everything we can to keep these players in, in game because at the end of the day, had we have hemorrhaged too many players? Like I said, our, our lowest amount of players playing the game was 20,000 and now it's like 200,000. You know, it's, it's you know, it's a tiny amount of people playing the game comparatively. Um, so had that got much lower, then you run the risk of the project getting canned. Yep. So we had to do everything we could in order to get people into game. Uh, there was a huge shout for people just to migrate their accounts over into the game, which A, we couldn't do, which made the decision quite easy, but probably wouldn't have been a good thing either. Um, but um, we uh, it was absolutely we knew it was doing it. And we'd like, people are using this to AFK, max their accounts. No matter how ugly it felt, the, the alternative was, well, we have less players, uh, which means suddenly we're not going to get that extra dev or QA that we want. Um, or, you know, Ash is going to get moved back onto RS3 to work on some projects mm -hmm. over there. And, you know, things would have got worse from there. So it was, you know, it was, it was one of those things where you have to make some ugly decisions in order to keep the game running. Interesting. And See, that's, that's good to, like, hear almost because it's hard. I don't know. I just feel like I, I wasn't playing around that time. I started mm. in 2015, like I said. But so I was there kind of toward the end of that sort of drama, it felt like. But... um yeah, that's fascinating hearing it from like an inside perspective because I don't think the players really understood that, at least those that I've talked to. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we're doing other things at the same time as well. So one of them was we had bot worlds, um, which we were moving bots onto in order to separate them from the players because we didn't want to ban too many bots. Well, we couldn't ban <laughs> half the bots because we couldn't, didn't have any anti-bot software in place to find them. Um, but we could have a fair game. We couldn't be sure that these people actually were botting unless, you know, a huge amount of... Uh, personal uh, time was spent looking at it mm. so it's kind of like well if they're probably bottom we'll move into a bot world which just keeps all the bots together away from players so it doesn't look so bad um we also keep our numbers up and um theoretically <laughs> hopefully we'll get some anti-botting stuff at some point that's funny so what did your what were your thoughts about like zora um zora came into the game and it like the drop table was so extreme compared to anything mm. else that had ever been released. Well, again, the, the reason it was um, was to combat bots. Because, um, again, we didn't have anything much mm -hmm. else we could do with bots at the time. Um, so it was like, how do we combat the bots? We're not going to win the bot war right now. But he, um, we need to um, lower the price of the stuff that they're botting. And we do that by bringing it in via Zolra. Um, I think the mistake we made is we didn't nerf it quick enough. I think, you know, after 12 months, we probably should have been a bit more open and said, right, now we've got this extra bot and stuff, we're now going to nerf Zolra. Um, it's botted now anyway, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> Everything's botted now. I, I, it's crazy. Irony, irony. Um, but yeah, so um, it's, uh, it's yeah, I think, um, has it been nerfed now or not? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like nowadays we just play, we play an entirely different game to compared yeah. to like 2014. I mean, every boss table is pretty lucrative hmm. so we do we do definitely play in a different era where everything's kind of zora ish which yeah, is I think the, it's uh, fun i'm not i'm not gonna lie it's fun it's just it's it's interesting to see i mean people people don't have a problem with it for the most part so yeah, that's good that's good i mean the the culture of um runescape has changed it used totally. to be that you go to a bot and uh or go to a boss to fight and you want that big drop yeah that's what you go for, and it's not that anymore. It's you know, what's my return over next hundred kills? Exactly. People um, have calculated everything. Exactly. I mean, the the wiki is amazing, absolutely amazing for the stuff they got on the wiki, and uh, it's yeah, it just shows the the understanding of the game that everybody has now.
Yeah, it's crazy. The wiki is actually one of the most beautiful things ever. It's just yeah. so in-depth. I mean, I don't even play leagues, but I, I've seen the people using the wiki for leagues, and it just it, it has everything you would possibly need to know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I love about leagues is I've done so much content I've never done before. Um, I said I did uh, Chambers of Zarek. I've done I did Sins of the Father yesterday, and it took me thirty five seconds to kill the boss <laughs> at the end of the quest. I'm like, fuck! It took me three days when I did it last time. <laughs> but, but you know, I do, do all this content I've never done before. I've gone out and killed all these bosses that I've never done before because I'm not having an account that's high enough level, and it's mm-hmm. it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Okay, let's see. Justin asks. Do you believe OSRS is headed in the right direction? If not, what would you change? Uh, I think this goes back to what we talked about earlier. I don't think it's heading in the wrong direction, but I don't necessarily think it's heading in the best direction. Um, I think more innovation is needed um, to do things which you know have not been thought of yet. You know, one of the great success—the reason why old school's success was because we were able to do stuff um, that we thought was best at the time um, by thinking outside the box and doing stuff that nobody else would dare do. I mean, even as far back as you know, the first live streams, nobody was doing live streams back then. Nobody was—you know—no company was going out there and uh, setting up you know Q and As with the devs, and uh, we had our weekly community uh, live streams as well. And the amount of people, that, um, the amount of companies that I saw after that um, start copying how we did it. And uh, suddenly lots of red sofas started appearing and, uh, and different companies' backgrounds. And you know, it, it was, we, we almost led how a games company interacted with their players through Twitch. And uh, it was quite fascinating to see how that all happened. And it's, it's just slowed up now and it's not being done anymore. It seems plodding and lethargic and not overly exciting anymore. Mm. Um, with what's going on now through the Q and A's, um, and that's uh, like a it needs needs re- rejuvenating and um, a bit more outside of the box thinking to do that. And that's why I think it's not happening right now. You're not seeing exciting new trailblazing stuff going on that yeah. should be going on with a game like this. It's how how it grows. Okay, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about you know what you've been doing. Um, IRL. So, you know, I, I checked your bio. I put it in the Sabacast tweet. You are a home brewer and guitar player. You've also been streaming on Twitch. Um, can you just go through your life uh, a little bit? Uh, that's not RuneScape related. Oof, my life. So, um, uh, I went to the pub yesterday and uh, they had some um, local special beer. And I tried it, and it tasted like beer that I make. And to be fair, I pour most of my beer down the drain because it's fucking <laughs> awful. I'm not a very good home brewer. Uh, but I'd love the idea of taking natural ingredients and turning it into something, just stuff you can find off the, uh, off the, yeah, off from, from hedges. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll go out and I'll pick elderberries and uh, then turn it into elderberry wine. Um, and just buy things that you find out in nature and turning it into something that you can use. And like I said, I'm not very good at it, but, uh, you know, I quite enjoy it. And um, I made some um, mead that I tried, which is um, honey-based um, beer mm. that I tried on live stream. <laughs> that was fucking awful. Did you, but you had to swallow <laughs> it because you're on stream. <laughs> I spat it out. It was like, this is fucking awful. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so I'm not very good at it, but, you know, I enjoy it. And, you know, it's, it, it keeps me keep, keep, keeps me off the streets, which is good. That's good. Are um, you are you learning? Like, are, are you going to continue to pursue it? Or are you, is oh, it just yeah, kind of yeah, for I'll fun? Keep... 
Yeah, I'll keep doing it, but it will only ever be for fun. I'm never yeah, yeah, going to yeah. get particularly good at it, but you know, it's uh, it is it is just for fun. That's cool. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's, it's it's nice. I've never made a good beer ever. <laughs> one day, um, one but, day. Yeah, one day, one day. But yeah. So there's that. What else do I do? Um, I currently work for Sumo Digital, which is a uh, games company in Sheffield in the UK. Uh, they made games such as Forza and uh, Hitman. Um, Big Little Planet, Little Big Planet, um, mm. and a whole bunch of stuff as well. Um, so I currently work for them. I started with them in the middle of November, working on a brand new thing that's super secret that I can't talk about. So, uh, yeah, that's as much as you're getting out of me for that. Um, but, yeah, it's quite exciting. Uh, what else do I do? Play guitar. So I've been playing since I was 16, um, which is over 30 years. Is that terrible? Um, it's all my uncle's fault. He... Um, he uh, was a record producer back in sort of the 70s and 80s. And uh, we used to go visit him in his studio and get to play with all the instruments and uh, and uh, all the all the gadgets that he had, which was always quite cool. And uh, he bought me a guitar for my 16th birthday, Very um, cool. which is quite cool. And uh, there's, a, there's a story that he has where um, he didn't even tell me the story. I had to read it on Wikipedia. Uh, this young band turned up to record um, their first album with him. And so we recorded the album, and did all the sound uh, engineering and all that sort of stuff. And um, after they finished recording, he was like, oh, do you want to buy the master tapes? And um, they were like, oh, no, no, we can't afford the master tapes. And uh, back then, this was back in the 70s, so the master tapes were the big reel-to-reel tapes, you know, the 18-inch reel-to-reel tapes you get. And uh, they cost about 70 quid each, which was a lot of money back in the 70s. And this band was like, oh, no, no, we can't afford to keep it. And he's like, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a struggling studio as well, so I can keep it for a couple of weeks, but I'm going to have to record over it. They were like, oh, that's fine. Um, and they never came back for the master tapes. And um, anyway, that band was uh, Iron Maiden. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a story enough. And he didn't even tell me. I read it on Wikipedia. I'm like, Michael, <laughs> what's this? He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Wow. So, yeah, I recorded Iron Maiden's first album and then uh, recorded over the master tapes. That is um, crazy. Which is, which is quite cool. But he also did you know a whole bunch of stuff for um, Gary Newman and... Uh, the Stranglers and uh, other bands of the eighties as well. So, very very uh, cool. But yeah, this is that. Um, I play a lot of guitar on my stream. Um, in fact, you can redeem channel points to uh, get me to sing a song to you, any song that you choose. Uh, and normally, people choose songs I've never heard of before and have incredibly <laughs> explicit lyrics in it. Um, but it's all fun. So, uh, <laughs> oh my god! It's a little challenge. It's quite entertaining. Let's get the guitar out for that. I'm glad that uh, you've been pretty active on uh, Twitch. Obviously, you have like a new job and everything, but um, it, it's cool like having you around the community just Good. continually. Yeah. yeah, no, I love I love being part of it. You know, it's uh, it's, it's always going to be a big part of my life. Runescape is always has been. I mean, I I um, I didn't even join Jagex from my own decision. My wife uh, told me I had to join um, <laughs> because back in 2005. Um, she saw a job in the local newspaper back when jobs were advertised in newspapers, um, asking for people to join Jagex as um, customer support. And she applied for the job before I did. Uh, she got an interview and um, uh, a trial, but didn't get the job. And she came back and said, I had to apply for it. And uh, I was importing forklift trucks from China at the time. So uh, so I, uh, I applied for the job, got an interview. In fact, on the day of my interview, I um, arrived there sort of, you know, about 15 minutes early. And I was like, right, okay, and we're going to wait till 5-2 and then press the button to, 
tell them I'm here for an interview. And as I went to press the button at five two, a guy opened the door and goes, oh, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm here for an interview. And they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Just take a seat in reception and uh, I'll let them know you're here. I'm like, thanks very much. Sat down in reception, which wasn't a reception. It was basically a room with two sofas and a, and a desk in it, nobody behind the desk. Um, and I sat there and waited. And it got to my time for uh, the interview and nobody came up, nobody turned up. I'm like, this is a bit rubbish. Quarter past and nobody had turned up. Half past, I'm ready to go. Ah, oh, fuck this, Jagex. You can't even be bothered to come and interview me, even though I've driven for two hours to get here. And I was about ready to leave. And then the person for the next interview turned up. And I was like, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll wait for them to come down to interview her and then tell them I've been waiting. But had she not turned up, I would never have, um, I'd never have had an interview or, uh, or be talking to you now. Wow. So, uh, Those little so things, was, little moments. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, I ended up managing the guy who didn't tell um, Francesco I was waiting for him, so that was quite entertaining. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's real. I don't know. I th- I think it's really cool to um, have worked at a you know a place where you you know know the game, you know the mm. community and stuff. I, I'm always a little bit envious of the the J mods getting to like work directly for the game. One of the things I'm not envious of though is like I'm a huge yeah. player. I'm a nerd at this game, mm. and I feel like. You know, I'm not a coder or anything. I could never be a dev. But, like, imagining designing the game, I, I don't feel like I would get the same enjoyment out of it. No, you're absolutely right. The the, the mystery goes. When you yeah. know how to make a computer game, the mystery disappears. Same with playing a musical instrument. When you know how to play a musical instrument, the mystery of music disappears because you know how it's done. Um, so that mystery disappears. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, you get over it and you, you deal with it. I mean, I couldn't play RuneScape while I worked at Jagex. I've played it a hell of a ton more since I've left than mm-hmm. uh, than um, when I was there. But it's you know it's it's it is, it is part and parcel of it. Yep. That mystery goes. Yeah, especially like just spending all day working on it, working on new content. Like why, I don't know. I just feel like yeah, maybe you'd want to play it a little bit when it's released. But like yeah. you just spent months and months designing it. Oh, indeed, yeah. indeed. I mean, I always I always felt that you know to me the most important part of the game and the people that play it and you know i stream not to play the game i stream to talk to people mm-hmm. and uh talk about something that i know i love and i know that other people love and that's runescape and you know that's never going to change you know even if i had no account i'd just still sit there and just chat to people all day long um as i said to you earlier i can i can talk and never shut up it's, <laughs> it's that's great. perfect it's perfect for a cast like this yeah indeed <laughs> well um Matt K, uh, this has been uh, a really fun conversation. Uh, before we wrap things up, I want to ask you actually for three shout outs. I did not give you this, you know, I didn't tell you beforehand, uh. so this is just sprouting up upon you. But um, if you have three people in the community that you'd like to give a little shout out to, now's your chance. Ooh, 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 oh, I don't know. Um, uh, the problem is only choosing three is that I'll upset all the others. Yep, yep, you will. You will. Yeah. Um, but they can blame it on me. It'll be my fault. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I like, I like Josh. Josh is a really good. Um, uh, Jay Pilau, um the RuneScape felon, guy who went to prison for doing stupid stuff in RuneScape. He's an absolutely lovely chap. Um, he streams, so yeah, absolutely do uh, do have uh, hang out with him. He's great. Um, Lord Kirk, because he's still streaming. Yeah, absolutely, just put Lord Kirk in there as well. Um, 
I should open up. I should open up uh, my friends on Twitch and see who else is there. Uh, <laughs> who is great? Who's great? Uh, see, I don't want to choose any of the obvious ones, the big people, because they 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 they, they get enough attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, God, I didn't realise I followed this amount of people. <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ. This is my fault, everybody. I did not yeah. tell them beforehand. <laughs> yeah. How about Syndicate? Syndicate, super massive um, guy. He's got like 1.2 million followers. But I think that sort of, you know, it's, it's amazing about him, even though you'd expect somebody with, you know, sort of the, the followers he has to have sort of a limited um, outreach to people. Every time I tweet something, he always likes it. Um, I put out a tweet um, um, last year about how difficult my last year was. Uh, he reached out to me personally, just say, Matt, it's okay. Um, I'm here to help if you need me. So, someone like that, you know, even though he's got millions of followers, um, I never expected to, to to get that from him. So, so that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, uh, to all those that didn't get a shout out, Matt doesn't like you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Of course, I'm limiting it to three. But uh, Matt. Um, Thank you for those, and uh, thank you for your time today. This was actually like really nice getting to talk to you for the first time. If I mean, if <laughs> I've heard your, I mean, I've been watching you on the Q and A's for years and years and years, and just Fantastic. you know, been popping in your stream and stuff. And I've seen your other interviews that you've had. Um, well, at least the one with OSRS podcasts. So uh, yes, but um, yeah. yeah, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, for those listening, down in the description, I'll have uh, Matt K's twitch and his twitter down there is there anything else you want linked um no that'll be it i think twitch twitter is fine they can always add me on discord as well if they they want okay perfect i'll, I'll have um, you uh link that in the discord and i'll include it in the description as well fantastic fantastic yeah it's been an absolute pleasure i love, love chatting to you as, as you know i can talk all day long i've also completed uh 260 laps of sears um, <laughs> hell yeah agility course <laughs> during this and it probably felt um, like a breeze yes yeah this is the most i've enjoyed agility in a long long time very very nice Thank you guys for listening as always. If you guys want to support the cast down in the description, there's a Patreon link and a YouTube membership link. You can get your name on the title screen. But that is it for me. Matt, thank you once again. Cool. Thank you for having me. And thank you everyone who's, who's still listening. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.